Well, you just want to, we just can get into it, I guess, if you want to. Let's just, you know, let's just free ball it. <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> I like it. All right, let's get into it. Uh, hey, it is Tuesday, June 15th. I'm free balling. You don't even get to do the date. <laughs> I'm I Peter. I was expecting This is uh, your favorite podcast, A Little Snack. And, and uh, we've done like uh, three episodes and you guys haven't listened to any of them because <laughs> we didn't put them up. We didn't think they were worthy because yeah. they were not, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we didn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't believe those those episodes. You know it's bad if we don't put them up there. Yeah. Because <laughs> our bar is low. No, there's you guys aren't missing out on anything. We're just joshing. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for doing the intro. I, I, I you did a great job. I think we should just have you do those. That's that works. You look like, you look like somebody stole your wallet. So me to steal your thunder there for the the date and the. Oh, I know. You can see how desolate I look. And just, yeah, I, I thought I was covering that. I know. I, I don't know what to do now. No. <laughs> I thought the, the, the first thing he says, "How you doing?" Yeah, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing um, exceptionally well, Peter. Great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm doing well. We. Uh, I just got back from the Triangle Pen Show, and um, I remember. Telling like you like that. triangle pens, like like it's a triangle and you write with one corner and then you erase yeah. with the other. Yeah, when the ink runs out on one corner, you just flip to the next corner. It's hugely efficient. No, besides really... that joke, isn't that a thing? Triangle pens? Probably. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I, I swear I've seen them. Now, there there are pens, and I got my hands on one of them, that uh, are sort of the of barrel is sort of. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't keep my hands off the pens. Um, no, it, it's try. The barrel is triangular, so it's like you know, it, it's not going to roll away anywhere. Mm. Um, but I don't think that's that's what they mean by the triangle pen show. They're talking about uh, Research Triangle Park, and that's and it took place in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is one of the three points of the RTP star. I don't think anyone has ever said that before, so don't take that to the bank. But um, uh, it was it was a fine show. It was the first pen show, and I know we're getting so many people actually unsubscribing as I'm talking about this, so I won't go on very long. But it was the first pen show in the U.S. as far as I know since the pandemic started. So, oh, by um, the way, it's not subscribing anymore. Subscribing means you pay for something. They're following oh. us. Oh, they're following. So, so you follow things now, like you follow a, a Facebook group or something. You follow this podcast. Oh, really? Okay. No, so following seems like it's so much less commitment. Well, no. subscribe means you, you sign below, right? Yeah, subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, nobody's signing below. They're just clicking something that they get a feed or like, hey, by the way, this is out. Right. Okay. All right. You so know, follow. So we, we got a lot of unfollows just now. I guess <laughs> that's, that's what we got. <laughs> For pins. But um but yeah, so it was it was good, and uh, I got a pen, but I don't have it. I um I bought it, but they didn't right. have the right nib, so they're gonna ship it to me. So hopefully you have the pen, but not the nib. I I have nothing. I have the box. But I have I have the box and some free ink. I I may have been taken. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was in an alley behind the pen show, and that's well, where the first best deals rule are of made. pen show. <laughs> <laughs> you buy a pen and bring it home and you get the pen i know uh, 
there will be no one to blame but myself if if I end up with no pen on this oh, one. So I, I did a quick query. What I'm talking about is a highlighter. And the three corners is a pink, yellow, and green. And you pull it off, and it's a triangle shape, you, and it's a highlighter. Oh. So I, I wasn't wrong, but I'm not yeah. really right, which is okay. basically what this podcast is about. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the unofficial motto of this podcast. We weren't wrong, but we weren't right. Yeah, it's like we're in that nebulous who cares zone where it's like, oh, they're just talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how, how are you doing? How was your weekend? I know there's two different questions. You can take them in any order you like. <clears throat> Don't let me rush you on this. No, I'm sorry. What, what was that? <laughs> Drop that again. No, uh, how are you? Uh, and also, how was your weekend? You can answer both or one or the other, whatever you like. Uh, I'm well. I'm very uh, weird about coming out of pandemic stuff. They just announced Maryland's going to be dropping all the state of emergency soon. Oh, yeah. Um, um, everybody's healthy. Boys are ones in camp. The others waiting to go to camp, summer camp. Oh, nice. Uh, finished up graduate kindergarten, word up. Right on. Sweet. Except he's not reading yet, so not really word up. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're working on reading. He's, uh, he's he's on point with everything else. Math, he's ahead and all that. But reading, oh. my youngest, he needs to uh, catch up to get into the first grade. Right. But he's going to first grade, and my third grader graduated, and it was kind of emotional because of the tough year and how close we were with the teacher. So oh, yeah. that was that – was, Pretty impressive. And then next year, I literally think his teacher's last name is Strict. Oh, my God. So fourth fourth grades when, like, homework really settles in and, you know, yeah. answer every question correctly or else you're out of there. So That's when it gets, uh, it gets serious. Yeah. But hopefully it gets a different um, teacher. That's terrible. Yeah, so that that's that's what we're looking forward to. But summer camp's coming up. We're looking to go to, gonna go to the beach soon. And, mm-hmm. Um. Just uh, wedding season's in full swing, so busy with that. That's great. Um, you know, doing well. Uh, yeah. I, but it, it's getting back to the pandemic. So I was like, yeah. I'm at that point where I have all these masks, but like I end up just getting out of the car and putting the mask in my pocket and going into the grocery store now and like yeah. getting stuff. And if I feel uncomfortable or I look at everybody else and they're kind of like, what's up, dick? <laughs> and you know, do I put the mask on or not? Um, but it seems like that's really leveled out. Like if you're wearing a mask, it's because you haven't taken the vaccine right or you're just being extra careful but you're not looking at other people like like yeah, cross-eyed right yeah, I, I, you're I should not, hope not, not getting that vibe anymore yeah that's good that's good yeah um yeah it sounds like maryland is 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 kind of coming out of pandemic um a little more measuredly i, I guess than georgia is georgia's considered the pandemic over um early last year um so <laughs> um and that's so far the withdrawal from the sort of governmental and societal withdrawal from the pandemic in Georgia uh, th- this has been the only time I've sort of glad I'm in Georgia because as soon as I became fully vaccinated all I I don't um I haven't felt worried about getting it um and happily everything is already open. So I, you know, I can go to the restaurants, go to the movies. And mm-hmm. I, um, I think the first couple of times out we would wear the mask. And then when we sat down, we would take it off. But now I'm just, I'm not wearing it anywhere. 
um, because a few things. A, I'm vaccinated, and and the Moderna is holding up brilliantly against, um, you know, sort of core COVID and all the um, the variants. Uh, also, case counts are low, and just how many other people are um, also vaccinated. It's just and 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 of course you have the summertime, which I think is also probably uh, keeping counts a bit lower than they might otherwise be. So it's, it's, um, it, it seems like masks are, um, really, uh, uh, kind of out of, out of a, an abundance of caution, you might wear a mask, but it's, it's definitely not a required thing to, to not get COVID. So it's like, I've been, I've been living La Vida Loca really since, uh, for weeks now. And it's been, it's been pretty good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad not have to worry about, wearing a mask anymore. Cause I, I felt like I was very cautious during before I was vaccinated and it's, um, it's been a nice turnaround, uh, towards normalcy. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the only, the, I, I actually uh, read a, a, a few interesting things from a lady named Emily Oster and she wrote a book called expecting better, um, that we read before we had Beatrice about, um, you know, some of the, the stuff that you wish you'd known about, uh, pregnancy, you know, for, for expected mothers and that kind of thing, you know, real talk. And from, from someone who specializes in collating and processing and drawing conclusions from data and that sort of thing. And she's been on COVID. She's been, um, that's kind of been her beat for the entire pandemic. And, um, to my mind, she's got a really great understanding of what, what the numbers really mean for people. And, um, I've been feeling, you know, reading her stuff, I just feel very confident that that the chances, the 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 risks are there, but they're so low that um, it, it would it would be overcautious to really let them um, determine your behavior too much, and 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 that just gets to be um, that sort of is more and more the case as as the weeks go on. Um, that's that's not to say that things won't change. Um, in the sort of lower vaccination areas, uh, like my state and other Southern states, uh, as we get closer into the, the cooler months, or even they're saying sometimes the hotter months, cause that sort of puts people back inside too. Um, but, uh, but so far right now, um, things are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. it's great. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. Uh, I was going to ask you, do you, do you miss COVID? <laughs> do you, do you feel like you miss it? Like, right. I was like, do I miss it too? Uh, I, I'm not sure how I you feel. Know, um, it, it's, that's an interesting question. I, like I, I thought, I kind of thought that going back to restaurants afterwards would be like this pure joy, revelatory experience. And, and the reality was it's like, oh no, I remember this. This is just exactly like it was before. I'm, I'm alternately happy and bored to be at a restaurant, um, just like I always was. So that wasn't what I was expecting. Um, but, but no, not really, because, um, I feel like for me, uh, we're, our office is still entirely work from home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's in part because my office is very, um, uh, kind of hyper cautious about what they're requiring, which is nothing. So they're requiring no one to come in, mm-hmm. They're requiring no one to wear masks and they're requiring mm-hmm. no one to get a vaccine. So <clears throat> that that basically means, you know, your level of risk is whatever you assume. So if you if you don't want to do it, stay at, and keep working from home. We're perfectly happy for you to do that. 
So I don't know how long that's going to happen, but um, but the thing is, is that that's been sort of the major change in my life is this constant work from home, never having to go into the office, and that's still ongoing. So I think I would probably have a better sense of whether I miss the pandemic once I start commuting again. And then I think the answer will be yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've noticed already like pulling out of our development used to be super fast. Now there's traffic both ways and you're at risk for your life again. Uh, and it's, it's very frustrating. Um, there are some things I'm definitely going to miss about it is the, although it felt like every day was the same, there was some, you know, you get used to routine and it felt like, okay, I got this, like every day is the same. And then something's a little bit different every once in a while. Um, now every day kind of feels more of a struggle and a little bit different in the first worldest way possible. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Right. Right. Not too life threatening. Although we did just pass the 600,000 mark, I think I believe it was today uh, for deaths in this country, which if you know, it's, I forget at what number humans start to become numb at uh oh the, yeah the, like they're more worried about one person being shot or oh hey in your state that whole uh, cashier um oh yeah shot. yeah the cashier what was you, shot what do you know about that a cashier was shot at a grocery store or something yeah it was at a grocery store um and i guess a, a, there was a a guy came in and i guess he wasn't wearing a mask and he got into an altercation with a cashier who was wearing her mask and and i I'm not sure they knew exactly what what had prompted it, but it sounded like um, either she, the cashier, had said something like, you know, can you put your mask on or or something, something about to do with masks. And he pulled out. He he got mad and left, came back with a gun, went to the cashier, shot her. She's dead. Um, And he also shot um, another security guard. I think he hit him in the chest. Uh, and he was wearing a bulletproof vest, so he's all right. And then shot another cashier in the arm. But as far as I can tell, that's the first sort of mask rage killing that that um, that I can think of during the pandemic. Um, which I guess is a little surprising given how prevalent guns are in this country. I don't. I don't think so. I think there's been more. I mean, I thought in Atlanta they. Um, I thought they only shot Marvel. In Atlanta, but I guess they should cash yours too. <laughs> oh that man, that state, man. <laughs> yeah, I, there's so. been more shoot. There's been more shootings over this. There's been more hatred and anger over. Oh sure, but have, there been, but have there been straight up deaths and killings over it? That's what it's like. Here we are at the end, and this poor cashier is just like, please put on your mask, and yeah. then gets killed. It's like, oh, it's that's like, a COVID, oh. that's a COVID related death, in my opinion. No, that's 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 serious. That's very true. I think. I, I mean, and to your point about you know, here at the end, how maddening is that 600,000 count? You know, I think we were hitting 500 as the vaccine started to roll out. And, you know, you think about all those people who, who had added to that additional 100,000, how many of them had an opportunity to be vaccinated and didn't because of what they'd been told. And you're like, what a, what a, a death tally racked up for Trump. I mean, uh, well, I, I, yeah, I can say you can say Trump, but I feel yeah. more like um, traditions, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, and temperature had more to do with that than stupidity. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would say that 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 certainly played a role. That certainly played a role. And and, and I I I don't want to succumb to the blame Trump for everything, you know, uh, brigade certainly. But 
I, th I think that there's sort of a, a patient zero when it comes to sort of COVID denialism and, and it's, and it's Trump. And, um, I, I think a lot of this can be laid at his feet and, and all of the, the vaccine hesitancy, um, I think is basically down to him. I, and I don't know to what extent he just goes with the flow and it's like, well, you know, these, these people who are my people are odd and worried about it. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to get a, ahead of them. I'm, I'm going to be with them. But it, I think, I think he's the one he's, he's the band leader. He's the guy, you know, mm. uh, uh, bouncing the baton and everyone else is, is marching to his beat, including the electorate. So, um, he's not, he's not like the, what is he? He's not like the band leader. He's like that guy that dances next to the ska guy. Oh, he's the hype man. The hype. He's the hype man. <laughs> yeah. Because but who's the, who's the leader? Who's, who's the guy? There singing? isn't one. It's the, the, the lie is the leader it is it's, it's, yeah, it's like, he's telling a lie and then they don't read or really listen to information correctly. So right. they're making up uh, their own leader in their own mind. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Like, and, and, and they think that they're really part of something or, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we could talk politics forever. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But um, how about yeah, this whole Israel thing? Well, I'm glad, yeah, Israel. So, uh, yeah, Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that much about it, honestly. I, I, all I know is that Netanyahu is finally is out. Only after and, 12 years. So it's not like finally, dude. It's, oh, right. It's not finally 12 years. Like that's, I think he's, I think he might be either the, or the second longest serving prime minister in Israel's history. Really? Okay. Well then, yeah, finally. Yeah. I think maybe gold in my year. Finally maybe. when Apple adds a feature to the iPhone, like, oh, finally. <laughs> like they have, they have a OCR detection in photos. Finally. Oh yeah. I mean. Did you see about that? No, I don't know. What is it? What is that? OCR. OCR. Detection. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, it's uh, it's the acronym of the week. Can you guess what it is, Brian? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is uh, perfectly appropriate. Let me think. OCR. It has probably has to do with uh, photography. Um, uh, occlusionary, um, occlusionary, uh, coercive, um, retort. That's what it is. Eh. No. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> no. Oh. What is it? What is it then? OCR stands for optical character recognition. Optical character recognition. So okay. that means using vision is what your brain does with yeah. when you, you read your books is you're optically recognizing characters and putting, you know, just recognize what the letters are. Because you, of the shape. you read our books. Well, you're recognizing the shape of letters. Yes. Oh, okay. So so you or can it, you can point or, your camera at a picture or at a page and it will read the text there using that. Yeah, like, like scanning the, something and turns it into a PDF editable document. Wow, that's cool. When did that get added? Well, that's been around for decades, but it's solely been tweaked and Apple tweaked. Now, it's, now now Apple has it on their um, uh, new operating system coming out in the fall. So every oh. picture you've ever taken. Yeah. Anywhere there's words. Yeah. If you do a, a a query on your phone to search for something, like an app or something, or if you type, like for instance, I have Daniel has a shirt that says pizza. So if okay. I type pizza, it's gonna have pictures of pizza, this and that, and then it goes to the websites with pizza, and then it'll have my photos, and my photos will have pizza pictures of pizza because we've eaten it, mm -hmm. right. and then it'll have that shirt 
now because it says pizza. Oh wow. So and and anyway. so that's their operating system for not just their new uh computers but also for um every every phones device. and all devices. It's basically okay. on every device. So anywhere you have okay. photos it's going to be you know cloud cloud wide. So if you have any pictures and whatnot, or if you take a if you, let's say you write a bunch of notes and take a picture of it yeah then it into text and you can do whatever you want with it that's cool that's a good and this is nothing this is not really new but this is built into the operating system making it way more accessible and user friendly so if you look at a picture and there's yeah. a something you wrote if you double tap on that word it'll highlight it just like it's text in a document oh, and wow. then you can you know select more and you can look know. it up or something look it up or doing for a yeah. word of the week or something like that that's cool for your oh, the word of the week, but that was, that was our acronym of the week. Do we have a theme song for the acronym of the week? Um, we probably do. Let me think of one. Um, oh, here we go. Acronym of the week. Little HP. Yeah, little HP from JK. Little JK Rowling. So if if you like that one, we can do that one, and or else I can think about it for the next time, and we can have have an acronym of the week with a better a better theme song. Oh, I could do it. I know tons of acronyms. Oh, okay, that's yeah. I guess if you gave me the general subject and then the acronym, then uh, you, know what, you know what WAP stands for. I do, I do, <laughs> I do. But this is a family podcast, so. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, what a song that is! What a song. Um, what's so? What's your favorite thing right now, Brian? Uh, my favorite thing right now. What a great question. It's actually um, if I can be um, annoying and nobody's friend right now. Um, it's a book I'm reading actually. It's called Shadow and Claw by Gene Wolfe, who I think was also a gossip columnist. Um for like entertainment tonight, like in the eighties. So, but it's spelled differently. So it's not her. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Neil Gaiman said, uh, it's the best science fiction novel of the last century, which, which in his view puts it ahead of wait, Dune. Wait, wait, when people say that, so last century is 1900 to 2000. Yes. Or the last 100 years, 1921 to 2021. Oh yeah, I think I think when you say if you say last 100 years, you mean that. So from 1921 to now, but if you say last century, I think you must be talking about the the last straight up, you know, 1900 or 1800. Well, when was it written? This was written. I think it was like 1980 something. Let me see. It was written in yes, 1980. So before Entertainment Tonight. Review. Yeah, before. So this this was um, entertainment reporter Jean Wolfe's uh, first foray into uh, popular media, and then she got the the gig with Entertainment Tonight. No, actually, Jean Wolfe's like just he looks like you know George Martinish type dude, and he actually died like uh, three years ago. So um, I don't think that's a coincidence. Probably not. No. No. Um, so why do you like this book? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it's it's. Um, it's about a torturer, and um, I think of, of <laughs> yeah, in a very far flung future, 
And it's um, it's kind of interesting to call it science fiction. It, it, it reads definitely more as fantasy. Um, but it um, it's very sprawling, and the character is very interesting. And um, uh, it uh, he he's he's working in this castle, the Citadel, as a torturer's apprentice. And he's and and so the, there's this portrait of what life is like for all the torturers. Was that a and, Disney movie? The Torturer's Apprentice? Yeah. Uh, I think Kevin I, worked on that one. Yeah. I think 100 years from now, the, you will probably Nick, Nick see. Nick Cage is in it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember that now. There are a lot of brooms with scalpels and drills. I remember that. Um, but in any event, uh, some some high, uh, a lady of the court uh, is, is put into the Torturer's lair. And he's sort of the main character, the, the, the apprentice is tasked with sort of keeping her company and he falls in love with her of course and um and then the order comes down from the king called the autark uh that she's got to die and um torture or die well um torture 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 to death torture to death and the way the point of torturing to death well i think if you're um just trying to uh keep the populace terrified of you yeah, we um, talked about this recently. We were going to talk about it in this podcast. Did we? Yeah, deterrent. Yeah. Oh, right, deterrent. Yeah. Well, let's. Yeah, let's definitely talk about that because I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so what what they do is they hook her up to this um, somewhat fanciful fanciful machine that kind of sounds or feels like uh, electroshock therapy, but they only give you one shock. It's painful. <laughs> um, and then you're done. But for the next two weeks, you're um, you're going to start hurting yourself. Um, you're going to put out your own eyes. You're going to um, try and tear your own face off. It's like apparently, it, I mean, it's you torture yourself. Yeah, you torture yourself to death, and um, and it's just like your mind is working against you. It's like you're, you turns your mind into uh, a murderer uh, of of yourself, and um, and so this guy he um, he slips her a knife. It's, it's the kindest thing he can do for her. He can't let her escape or anything like that. So he gives her a knife. She kills herself. And then he is exiled and thrown out into this world. And um, so far, it's like you. there's... They're not going to torture him for that? Well, they th- apparently they were going to kill him. They were going to torture and kill him. But they were worried, well, if this ever gets out, this is going to make us look bad. So let's just never say anything about this. We'll say she died a different way. And you just don't you don't get to be here anymore. You go out into the world and do your thing and and never say what you did. And they actually that because I think they all like him. So so they're like, you know, they're looking for reasons not to do it. And then and they give him this awesome sword, uh, Terminus Est. Why is it awesome? Um, It's got this channel in it of like Quicksilver or some kind of um, liquid metal. And and as you as you. um, strike down as an executioner, like the weight in the sword suddenly rockets down towards the tip. So it just, it makes the, uh, the action of the sword suddenly that much heavier and that much more forceful. And I don't know if, if, if that physics, sounds like bullshit, right? I did. Yeah. It's, it's in the book. I don't know if a physics person would be like, no, that's, that's nonsense, but it sounds cool. And it, it, it it's a, it's a, it's a cool sword. And then someone put some thought into it. Um, so anyway, so, so you get, uh, hints and I'm almost done here. So you get hints of something bigger because he's telling the story from 
uh, in an even more distant future when he himself is the autark. So um, he's he's sort of uh, chronicling his rise from apprentice to how he got to where he's at. So you know that like what a journey this guy has been on. And, and in the meantime, you're just along for this ride. And the, the world building is amazing. The other characters are very interesting. It's very cinematic at times. Um, I mean, it definitely lends itself, I think, to, uh, you know, another $300 million budget Amazon series if they ever decide to. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a fantastic read. And I've got two more giant books once I'm done with this one that I get to read. So I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, that's oh, my favorite they're, thing. They're sequels or? Yeah, it's a tetralogy. And I think the, the volume that I have includes the first two books, which are, uh, the shadow of the torturer and the claw of the conciliator. Uh, don't let the, the, don't let the title scare you off. They're actually Whew. good. Yeah, I know. Um, and then there's two more books that, um, that come after this that I'm pretty stoked, stoked to read. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm enjoying most right now. How about you? What's your favorite thing right now? <sighs> I think my favorite thing right now is, uh, Paramount plus. Okay. Not the app, but the, the shows they have on there. Um, I have endeavored to watch uh star trek discovery the first season i got through it okay and moved on to the second season in which they took notes and said here's what we need to fix about everything yeah um and they did but they did it to 11 (laughs) uh what do you you mean every two seconds somebody's in dire there's always a a clock getting started okay um and the universe is always at risk and only this crew can do it. And nobody ever really makes bad mistakes. Um, so was the problem with season one that it was a little too slow. And so they've overcorrected by making it just like too action packed and dire and everything. Well, the problem with the whole show is it's not about what Star Trek was about, which was discovering new worlds and seeing social situations and, and relating to them. Science, science fiction wise versus how we'd handle racism now. Okay, right. Or, or whatnot. They're, they're right. still just like, hey, plot, 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 plot. We got a mm-hmm. ship's going to blow up again. Right. Um, the ship can be anywhere in the galaxy, known galaxy, at any time because it has a, a, a what do they call it? I forget what they even call it. Some sort of, not a warp drive, but some sort of drive where it teleports anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, that kind of ruins canon. Oh, but yeah. then they can't use it. Then they can't use it for long. Oh, that's still kind of annoying. It's like, what? That's the whole, that's the whole gimmick. That's the whole thing that sort of captures your imagination is the, it's the traveling, the the moving through the universe rather than just blipping here and there. Yeah. There's not, there's no science behind the show. Right. A lot of fiction. Um, But there's some better performances. The visual effects are fantastic. It's like, oh, great. You don't know that you're watching a TV show most of the time if it just, the visuals are great. Um, besides maybe their sneakers, they all, the Starfleet uniforms in Discovery have sneakers <laughs> and they're a kind of a distraction. It's kind of like, Hey, he's got sneakers on. Um, that's, that's weird. Yeah. It's, it's a little weird. Um, and they, like- they're, they're, they're messing with Canon a little bit too. They, they bring up some original series characters and storylines and episodes and they tie into it before they've happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's not true. Well, th- that gets really weird. Oh, 
They're messing with time travel and stuff? Okay. Or... So the pilot for Star Trek was another captain, and it was very heady, and it wasn't very westerny. Like, mm-hmm. uh, NBC wanted them to be more western. And then they shot a new pilot with um, William Shatner, because the yeah. other guy wasn't available anymore, mm-hmm. I believe. And uh-huh. they started over, and they did the show. But the first show was in... Um, was called The Cage. And The Cage was about the captain gets put in a cage and these aliens are reading his mind and putting thoughts in his head and he has to learn how to deal with them mm-hmm. and then move on from there. So it was pretty heady science fiction for the yeah. day, but it wasn't really action-packed. No, it's dude in a cage. So, so they shot it and it bombed, but then they got Star Trek got picked up and moved on. And in the first season, I think it's is it halfway... So the second season, I forget, first first or second season, halfway through, they decided to do, hey, we shot this whole pilot. You want to just re-edit it and tell a story? And um, if for those of you, it's called The Menagerie, and it's a two-parter. And it's the one where Captain Pike, the previous captain of the Enterprise, is in a wheelchair and all burnt up. You remember yeah. seeing that guy? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, so they they... They aired that, and it was one of the best episodes because Spock takes the ship, the Enterprise, out of uh, Kirk's command and makes it go to this planet to take Pike to it, mm-hmm. back to the planet where he was stuck in the cage. Um, anyway, Discovery it has Pike as uh, you know as the captain of the Enterprise currently, and he comes to the Discovery ship. And he becomes captain of that ship to do this mission. So they actually, you get to spend way more time with the captain that you barely knew from the original series. And you only right. saw him in a wheelchair, really. Yeah. So so it's it's really going back uh, to the beginning of like Star Trek canon to tell these stories. Yeah, in a weird meta way, because Star Trek people first knew him as just uh, flashbacks in the Menagerie episode versus yeah. the actual pilot. And then they're bringing the character in. And they cast it really well, so they may give him a little more interesting um, depth to the character. Um, That's cool. Was that who Chris Hemsworth played in the first J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek? Was that was that Pike that he played? No, Hemsworth played uh, a Kirk, Kirk's father. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he, He's uh, James Kirk's father, and he dies. I don't remember what ship that was. Uh, yeah, I don't either. And, and to me, I don't consider that really canon. Um, but no. another. Does this show consider those movies canon, or is it just like completely separate from that? Um, I felt I, like there was some overlap. They haven't touched those. Okay. Um, I think I think the secret sauce to Star Trek is it's a TV show. Movies are stupid. Now, uh, are you saying that because you've come to that conclusion from all the good TV that you've watched and all the bad movies you've seen lately, or well, because they don't make money? Movies don't. I mean, this, like Star Trek, was it Star Trek Four made money. Yeah. Star Trek Two did okay. Um. Yeah, but the other ones and, were bad. That's why they didn't make any money. They were bad. Well, <laughs> what does God need with a starship? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a bad movie. Start asking I, saw, I saw that in the theater. That was a bad movie. I saw that in the theater by calling up my local radio station and winning tickets to see it. Oh damn, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so you were invested. You wanted to like it because you had won tickets to see it. Yeah, I saw that as part of a uh, double feature with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Star Trek Five. Yeah, but again, this is not my favorite thing. This is not my. 
<laughs> oh yeah, no, I know. Right but but I do want to come back to TV versus movies again. Uh, but but yeah, go ahead. Your um, so I've been watching that and and catching up on that. So I'll be fully Star Trek loaded mm-hmm. um, instead of ignoring it because I couldn't stand what they did in the first episode. Um, but because it opens up Comedy Central stuff, and in Comedy Central, I didn't really get to watch too much of uh, um, the the Jezelnik Offensive. Oh yeah, and um, he also has another show where he sits down and interviews comedians. Um, and I believe they have Caligula, his stand-up. So I get to watch a bunch of Jezelnik stuff that I, I didn't. <laughs> That's get cool. To watch. And um, for, it's it's just so it's just so like nothing else matters in the world. Just this joke that's in front of you right now. It's so great. Right. Yeah. I love I love um the sweet dulcet storytelling of uh, Jezelnik and dead babies. <laughs> yeah, I know he's got. Yeah, his his delivery is amazing. He's uh he's good. I haven't I haven't watched any of his stuff for quite some time. I think since his last Netflix special, but uh, uh, I'm always on the hunt for new content. How much How much is it to to subscribe to uh, Paramount Plus? Uh, I don't know. I got a I got a whole year at a discount, okay. like a, a package deal. So I think it's maybe f- uh, fifty bucks for a whole year. Oh, okay, so That's cool. like was that like three fifty or something? That, that ain't bad. I, I feel like there was something on there that I wanted to watch, but not quite enough to pay for it. But I can't remember what it was. Uh, maybe something new or something coming to it. But I know that's not an interesting story. Um, so, so, but Star Trek is your fa- the the show on on Paramount Plus or Paramount Plus in general is your favorite thing right now. No, no, Jezelnik is. Jezelnik, okay. <laughs> I just went to depth on the Star Trek. <laughs> I, I, I don't really get to talk about it. I'm only I'm watching it alone, and, and I think everybody else has already seen it, so I'm kind of behind on it. Um, oh, sure. But the production is, is top-notch. It feels like you're watching the movies all the time, but it's it's there's there's no breathe. There's no... On Star Trek breathe, Season 2. There's no... Yeah. There's no... There's no time to breathe it's just constantly everybody's gonna die and there's a clock ticking all the time and and they try to just be like explain the science into it a lot yeah but it's 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 not really here's a question for you peter and this 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 is a question that came to me while i was listening to you talk about this very thing about how plot heavy this this season was now in real life if there were a mission like you know the enterprise going out into space um i imagine that in reality it would be both boring in reality because I don't think they would really run into anything, but it would also, it it couldn't help but be interesting because of what it is. It's a bunch of people on a spaceship. Um, Do you think that if you made a show that was hyper-realistic about what it would actually be like if there was a, um, a spaceship like the Enterprise going out looking for new worlds and other, other aliens and all that, but, they never really found anything. Could that be interesting? You know, Brian, I've been waiting for you to ask me this question <laughs> since we started podcasting. Excellent. Um, you're asking about Star Trek specifically. Um, Star Trek cheats um, or cheated. For instance, here's a story. Star Trek um, cheated... Um, travel time space travel in in the in the storytelling by using warp speed you can get from here to here really fast you know weeks days so it's just like you're it's like it's almost like being on earth by boat right you know you can go anywhere on the earth by boat right 
Um, so that works for storytelling. You go to the next village or the next island or the next continent or in the middle of the sea and you meet creatures or whatever. And then the other thing was teleporters. Uh, teleportation was created because they couldn't afford to do the visual effects every episode of them flying down to the planet. So they just did the the teleportation and did a, a, a dissolve, fixed right. it in post versus shooting ships going and flying down every time. Um, so it would be a completely and utterly boring in reality because the amount of energy it would take to travel to this many places, islands, in our or planets in our so or shoot our solar system or even galaxy yeah. is just too much right um and i think a lot of science fiction is realizing that lately with movies that are like we have to leave earth and we have to go into space and it's just droll i think we talked about this it was like a i think it was a foreign film i told you about where they they were going the ship was going to mars and then it got knocked off course and it couldn't change course and then these people lived for like a few hundred years and they all die Oh, that sounds familiar. Was that Russian? Uh, I don't think it was Russian, but it sounds Russian. <laughs> it does. Um, they were probably so that 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 answers your Star Trek thing. Uh, yeah, it would be extremely boring unless you had the the story plots of uh, warp speed and and teleportation tele teleporters, or like in Discovery, they can just go anywhere in the galaxy instantly. Right. I guess. So what I'm what I'm trying to ask is is I'm, is like yeah, I'm not done. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you said I. I thought you said I'd answered that. Okay, but no, you're going. Okay. When ahead. I was in film school, uh, yeah. a friend of mine, a friend of yours, Kevin Hickman, we used to sit back and talk about like, what would we remake if we could remake anything? Yeah. And the one movie we were both like, oh, the black hole. I loved the black hole when I was a kid. We just saw it at the right ages. You mm-hmm. know, it's terrible right. now and it doesn't make any sense. And as right. Neil deGrasse Tyson says, it's the Armageddon and the black hole, the worst scientific films, <laughs> science fiction, <laughs> science films ever made. Yeah. Um, so we kept coming up with like, well, what would you do? We were like, well, we would just do it shot for shot or do it with better effects or better robots or this or that. But we'd still say he's bucking like a Bronco. <laughs> uh, one, of the best, one of the best lines um, there. But there's some dark shit in that that Disney movie. It ends. Spoiler alert. It, it ends allegedly in hell. Oh, wow. right. Like yeah. and so there's some philosophical stuff about what's in a black hole. Um, yeah. Um, so when we started thinking about it, I, my idea came up to be like um, from that is humanity is eventually or life. The point of life in our uh, universe mm-hmm. or even galaxy is to reboot or collapse everything, all the matter and redo a big bang, restart the next universe. Right. So how does this happen? So you just have a ship that's traveling, which ends up becoming either fully energy or robots. Mm-hmm. And it's looking for something. And in our plot, it was going to come upon a black hole. And when it gets there, it awakes an entity, which is more, it was just life, not just machine. Mm-hmm. And it either and it brings a life form to life through, you know, hatching a baby and it grows in like a week and becomes an adult. Or they put the the um the entity into a machine and it does its thing or whatever mm-hmm. and when they get to this black hole it's really boring <laughs> that's why we they, we never sold the script <laughs> <laughs> right it's, a, it's really just about machines and like what they're doing on the ship and then they get to the black hole and 
realizing that this is this there is no other life in the galaxy it was just humanity and how lonely it is and then so let's reboot it and try again yeah and hopefully humanity's seed will spread the dna a factor will spread more on the next universal explosion big bang um but there was something about the thing about it being a, a like the 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 Kubrickness of just watching the lack of humanity of us achieving our ultimate goal as humanity is we're just a, a cog in the machine. Yeah. So we were we weren't high, but we were really like clicking on every single like this means this and this means this. Right, right, right. Um, and so that's not that's also my personal philosophy is the point of life. We have all this matter around us and and all this energy that yeah. we can can't see or feel. And what's the point of it? A lot of people prescribe religion or something to it, and a lot of scientists just like to ask questions about it and and just keep finding more answers. And when you find more answers, you just have more questions. And I like my science fiction idea is that the whole point of life in the factor of all this matter, uh, because it can actually end up controlling matter, is it will create another Big Bang and or multiverse or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've been dying for you to ask me for <laughs> I, I do remember this idea i think it's 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 cool i remember the like the robots on a spaceship and i think something about like it's sort of open to space because the the robots don't don't need like enclosures or anything because they don't yes need air. yeah that's right you remember yeah, that I that was really that. like there's it's not a ship it's not a bubble we don't need air it's not a it's not a fish out of water they are they're just everywhere yeah yeah we'll let a designer go for it there's no friction in space there they they have energy to stop radiation or and shields to stop matter from hitting it rocks and things and like just like it would be like something you'd never seen before mm-hmm. or again if it goes the star trek route which gene roddenberry believed this with his science fiction writers is that eventually thought becomes matter i mean a thought becomes energy you know matter is just our temporary form right now our cells or or atoms and everything. Yeah. Eventually we're just going to become energy because matter changes through energy to something else. So it's the middle state. So eventually we'll just be in the middle state and that's kind of like the cue. Oh, sure. Which, because I, I don't know if I told the story before the cue were in the first episode of star Trek, the next generation, which was only about the 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 first episode is originally only about the enterprise coming to a planet and that planet having a, a city that they're going to admit into the federation mm-hmm. but then they learn that something's wrong with that city and it turns out that the city is an actual alien ship that's alive like a like an animal and these people are torturing it to make it stay there so they can live their life and taking advantage <laughs> of it and the enterprise oh, learns about it right yeah that's very star trek and gene roddenberry like here's a great story yeah. But then the studio comes in and says, no, no, we need a villain. So <laughs> hence, on the way there, they run into Q. And that's one of the few times in my life where I think the the they were right. Studio people were right. Yeah. Uh, Q turned out to be a fantastic mirror and foil for humanity mm-hmm. to go against mm-hmm. because of they achieved eventually what humanity will become um, as Wesley Crusher started to become and in, in the end of the show is you know space boy space baby you know becoming one with energy and thought and being able to manipulate things and here the qr they've been able to do it forever and they're just bored <laughs> you know right yeah achieve anything they're just trying to entertain or torture or 
there's even an episode <clears throat> where they is it i think it might be deep space nine where they meet the q oh uh, does the or, q, but it's but it's not played by the same actor or the same actor right there's a there's a few q and oh, okay. they, their home is like a dusty bar in the middle of a long road like in arizona or new mexico or something like that that's what yeah. it feels like and they're bored and they want to die and they can't and it's just yeah. sad um that's that's so. interesting. Uh, that's something um, actually Frank Herbert talks about. You know the boredom uh, with his uh, his novel God Emperor of Dune because uh, you know Paul Atreides or, or Muad'Dib's son uh, Leto Leto the second you know he ends up putting on these baby worms and they start to grow and there's like a symbiosis and over time he becomes like this you know worm human hybrid god thing and he lives for thousands of years and and. And boredom is such an important component of uh, trying to understand this guy. And um, I don't know, you, you you rarely see it touched on in in um, in sort of media, but but the but boredom, uh, kind of like what our listeners are probably feeling right now. But um, it's such a fascinating thing, especially with like sort of long-lived um, entities that you that you encounter often in science fiction. It's like, what would it be like to live that long? And it's like, well, probably pretty boring, which sort of brings me back to like, you know, uh, a uh, as fascinating as it would be. And you would just want to be a fly on the wall of a, of a Starship Enterprise, you know, trekking out into the into the space. But, you know, in my view, I I, and I think most people's view, you, it, you wouldn't be able to find anything Um in the time span, the lifespan of any character on on the ship, right? So, it would it would be a boring show about a fascinating thing, and would there be any way to sort of televise that in an engaging way uh, without just making it into, um, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy on in space or something where it's just concentrating on the on the relationships? I I, I don't know if I'm saying it quite right, but. No, you are. It would just it would just become a human condition thing of traveling, yeah. you know, being in close quarters and waiting for something to happen and making sure the thing you have doesn't break. Yeah, I wonder if it would be that, or you know, imagine a a movie made about um, the current space station with you know the the guys that are on that, where they're just the doing their ISS, work. ISS, the uh, yeah, the International Space Station, the ISS, and they're just going about their day, and nothing goes wrong. And that's that's it. So on one hand, fascinating. Humankind is orbiting the Earth doing space experiments, but nothing is happening up there interesting enough to engage the attention of anybody for even an hour or two. I mean, Tom Uh, Cruise is going to go up there and shoot a movie. Yeah, but he's going to have to make a bunch of stuff pretend to go wrong so that people will watch (laughs) Yeah. Right. How's it? <laughs> you know, I can't wait. There's going to be that. Sh- you know, he has to run in every movie. Right. How's he going to run with? He's going to be running in the middle of the space station, not touching anything. Just no. Have that look on his face. He's, he's going to be on a spacewalk, and he's just going to be pumping yeah. his arms and legs, just like going nowhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but with that like determination that the crew's. Yeah. Have. He's going to make it look cool somehow, just like huffing and puffing in his little spacesuit. That's going to be great. Um, now, before we move on too much further, yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask, uh, I felt I detected, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you've alluded to this uh, in episodes past, that um, your uh, 
preference, we'll say, has been for TV and your interest in movies has seriously waned. Is is that the case? Is Are you coming even more around to that where like movies are like dead or what, what, are, what are you thinking about that right now? Yes. I don't think movies are dead. I think it's a very difficult job now to mm-hmm. flesh out a really good character story for a two hour format. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much more storytelling can be done with more time when you fill up more time. Um, and um, it's a screenplay is usually a writer and then you get the producers. I mean, nowadays they have tons of people just advising on scenes and, and you right. have so many people in big, big, big uh, productions. You have that, but like if you did an independent film, it's really just a snapshot or I would call it, you know, the current equivalent today is a, is a live photo. You take a picture and there's a still. I'm going to watch that. You press the live photo and then you see a little bit of action. You get a feel for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's oh, I hear somebody yell somebody's name in the background. What's that song in the background during the live photo? That's what I feel like films are today. Um, mm-hmm. That's really kind of a trite way to describe it. Then um, would you rather see, let's go back to like The Witcher. Would I rather see The Witcher for two hours? And kind of been like, ah, it's another stupid D&D-ish kind of storytelling. Or I'd rather watch The Witcher. And that's not a good example. They barely scratched the surface of this character's backstory. <laughs> but the true. other character, the the witch, the, the, the witch or ma- magic story, they touched on a lot. And they grew those and they told that backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get that in the, the amount of time. Um, uh, we're, we're currently re-watching... Uh, my wife and I are rewatching Battlestar Galactica from 2004. Yeah. Um, and you, I would never like, I would not. That movie would suck. Like, it would be, it would be awful. You have to have, you have to destroy a whole um, civilization and then chase them and then have them reach Earth at the end in two hours. Or yeah. even three movies, it still wouldn't be good. Um. Uh. It, Star Wars is the the films are going to become kind of like, yeah, I'd rather watch all these shows that they're about to start making over the next 10, 20 years. You know, they're going to be people are going to be more into them. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you, you'll see the night. That's not us. I mean, there's going to be these kids growing up. They're like, yeah, yeah, Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. But they're going to be like the Mandalorian they love. They're going to love Baby Yoda because they're going to grow up with them at that age and that hormone right. time. And they're going to remember that more. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be so much more of the stories to tell. Um, look at Dune. Why didn't he just write one book? You know. Well, I mean, uh, that's that's true. But um, you know, all you need is the one book. Everything else is just sort of, um, you know, uh, variations on a theme. And, and, and you know, for for Dune nuts like me, it's like you know, you're you're into it. You you'd like to watch it, and eventually those could be. A good um good films in and of themselves and i wouldn't hope they want to see it you're going to see this dune movie which is only half of the first book wouldn't you yeah. rather watch a, a high budget tv show no Why? no I, I yeah my my personal thought right these days is is just like i'm sort of fed up with tv uh like why, the why idea you say, wait, when you're saying tv what do you mean a, t- a tv is a Epi- television it's episodic it's a device i'm, 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 I'm de- thinking of episodic um programming that extends a story, uh, in some cases artificially, I think often artificially, to a, an ex- expanded length. Um, 
Okay, and, can we stop there for a second? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it used to be 24 episodes in a season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now it's like Netflix is down. Netflix was like 15, 13. Now they're down to eight. Right. Right. And yeah, even yeah. in eight, there's a one or two throwaway. Right. So, right. so, so you're, you're, pretty soon you're getting close to movie length. But when when they actually when you cut out all the fat and you just let the leanest possible meat, that's the movie. Um, you know, you talk about uh, you know how much better it would have been. Or, or how much worse a show would have been had it been a movie. And it's like, well, what about what about something like The Godfather? I cannot imagine that being stretched out for three seasons to get where it was. I can watch The Godfather um, with joy in my heart over and over again because it's so concise. It it gives you the illusion of sort of languidness of of big moments in space, but it also injects these moments of action it gives you the illusion of creating an entire world in the same way that good tv shows do in three or four or five or six times the the uh the time you know there's a godfather episodic coming yeah i do because right now tv is the thing and it's not because oh you know what tv just turns out to be the best possible vehicle for these stories it's because no they they have all of this time and these 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 streaming uh, uh, platforms need content because mm-hmm. they they need to put it all out there. But um, in terms of the art form, I th- I certainly think that there is a place for TV and and certainly a place for movies. But I I, f- I feel like uh, sort the the sort of shift away from movies as being a kind of an inferior way of doing it sort of bespeaks a. a a laziness in the filmmaker class to some extent. And I just think it's more, more financially driven than it is artistically driven. Um, but the, the things that you can achieve in a TV show with many, many hours can also be achieved in a two hour film and have been, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark does is not a snapshot. Uh, it doesn't feel like a snapshot to me. Um, it, it, in that two hours, uh, Spielberg and uh, Frank Marshall and Lawrence Kasdan were able to create out of whole cloth an entire world um, suggesting uh, depth and scope where maybe there there wasn't any explicitly. But because of the the skill in their filmmaking, they created that. And I feel like that is an art form that, you, you know, you may be right. It's not really happening much these days, even in the movies that are made. Um, and I think that's too bad. I, I, I think that I would love to see instead of these great filmmakers being pulled into Netflix to, hey, make this show. Hey, make this show. Um, keep throwing them into into making features again. It's just like because um, speaking selfishly, I just want the damn thing to be done. I, I, I don't want what, to what devote ten, the, the, a story. I don't really want to devote 10 hours of my life to this or that story. It's what like, else are you doing with that 10 hours, Brian? Um, anything else I'm creating, I'm creating my own stories. I'm drawing them. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reading other things. I, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's all, it's all too much. We, we all have these to-do lists of, of TV to watch and we're all, I don't know. I mean, I know I am, I'm behind and they all feel so important. But then at the end, Here's another thing, a game, and, and and I'll shut up because I know I'm, I'm monologuing here, but uh, Game of Thrones. Okay, of I'm course, the monolith. 
yes, you are. Uh, Game of Thrones was, you know, a, a set of books, of course, still unfinished, uh, and became a TV show. And everyone was all about it. This is a great TV show. This is showing what TV's, po- you know, capable of. But then at the end, they just say, uh, "Let's just get this done with. I want to go do something else." And they, they, uh, they, they flub the, the ending. They, the producers. They, the producers. The well, the 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 filmmakers. They're they're the ones responsible for for creating what's happening in the show and telling the actors what to do. And they decide, let's just get this done, even if it's no good. So at least with a movie, they're going in looking like let's make the best movie, just like the filmmakers on Game of Thrones were like, let's make the best first season we can. And you never have to worry like down the line. Oh, are they going to make the 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 worst eighth season that they can come up with? Uh, with a film, it's like a film is its own, you know, object. You you know, obviously you worry about sequels or whatever, but you can just like with a book, you can't take away by making a bad movie of a book anything essential about the book. Um, but you can with a TV show by making a subpar season or two um, that can that can just destroy the whatever they were trying to accomplish with the the entire season the entire series. So uh, I don't know. I'm sort of frustrated with with the level of TV, and um, I, I'm definitely uh, more hyped about movies right now. Um, I, 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 this is a place where we find ourselves. I don't want to say we're disagreeing. I think you're just not fine. You're not watching the right shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, but you know, you know me. I, I, I've there's some shows I love. I mean, there, there's some great shows. Sopranos, you know, Breaking Bad. Uh, man, uh, Mind Hunters. I really enjoyed that. I mean, there's lots of great TV, like Battlestar. We were watching that, and it's just like, damn, these writers were killing it. Like the actors did a good job, and the writers were just killing it. Yeah, and that's actually, you know, because I fell out of Battle Battle uh, Star Galactica because it got boring after like I don't know season two or something. Right, and so, after the season two, then the, they were like, okay, well, we we're gonna wrap it up, but they wanted more. And then right. fans wanted more, and they had season four, and it was like, right. So it's like, imagine, okay, because there is a, I don't know if it's the pilot or what, but the, but there's an an amazing episode of Battlestar Galactica that I still remember, where it's like they're having to like jump That's over second, and over again. The second it's the first episode. First, and I believe it's the first episode after the the movie. There's okay. a what is it called mini series. Okay. Okay. And and but but that that episode was just like fantastic it was uh, in in its own way it was pretty perfect imagine if they had condensed that episode um and and built the a two-hour script around it people would be talking about battlestar galactica as you know top five science fiction movies of all time but right now they're talking about as like oh uh, an interesting sci-fi show and what oh what could have been um, and, and, and that's the sort of danger you get with TV because, you know, you're not going to keep capturing lightning in a bottle every season. Some, some do, but a lot of them don't. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it can be kind of a big risk. Whereas if you've got that nugget, that, that thing about your show, that's really great, your story rather, that's really great. Um, you know, why, why not just put all of your effort and your talent, uh, into, the the a, a tight two hour movie where you know you can sort of go wild and and then it is what it is you put it out there and and instead of just sort of letting it sort of drag on and drag on and be subject to the vicissitudes of uh, the economy and 
and, you know, fans wants and needs and likes and dislikes and just kind of let it, let it leave it hanging out there. Um, you know, they're making a Lord of the Rings TV show, but, uh, and I'm looking forward to that because it looks like they're, they're spending a lot of money and I just want to see what they, they came up with. But, um, I can't, I, I, I wouldn't like to imagine not having our three Lord of the Rings movies and instead having like six seasons of show. But that's um, 12 hours of movie. It, uh, well, yeah, if, if you're, if you're doing the extended, but, but you know, the, the nugget, I mean, not the nugget, the, the core movie, which is what was released in theaters is, is amazing. I, for me, like fellowship, I just having watched the extended, that is also amazing to me just in a different way. Um, but you have, you know, a nine hour story. It's a big story told in nine hours. There's not a lot of fat on that, but imagine if they'd turned that into, you know, six, six seasons of, uh, of TV show, there would be a lot of fat on that. There would be a lot of stuff where you're like, Oh yeah, this part sucks. Or yeah, they didn't quite know if they were going to, um, pick it up for the next season. So you can sort of see they're trying to wrap it up a little bit here, but, but then they got funding. So then they abandoned that and went to this and what, what if you yeah. could hit play on yeah. Battlestar Galactica and there's it, it gets edited together from beginning episode to the last ending episode yeah. straight through no credits, no nothing, no breaks, maybe just some few fade to blacks to go, you know, this story's done moving on to this plot point. Yeah. It was just one long episode, Yeah, but you would have to take breaks to watch it. Obviously. Sure. Does the technicality of television, epi- like ep- episodic television, having to take ad breaks or episodics, just like you had to do these 52 minutes or four, it was 42 minutes at that time. Right. Um, a lot. Uh, just quick side note: uh, the average episode length of an original series Star Trek was 52, 53 minutes. The the next generation was 42. Oh, they had wow. to fill 10 more minutes per episode, which is a lot. Yeah, that is. Um, but uh, so what if there was something like that? Like, what if you could watch Lord of the Rings from Hobbit straight through to um, Return of the King? Um, wait, like what? Watch watch a TV show straight through, or watch a set of movies? Right, no, just an, just one thing. Like watch Godfather. Like the Godfather has been recut. Um, uh, yeah, it's three been movies. A number of times, it's been recut yeah. to be one movie. Yeah, and then they just recut. He just recut Godfather three, apparently. Um, and, and apparently it's a much better movie. I would still like to see that. Um, no, the, the episodic length, is it the length that's bothering you? No, Um, no, it's, it's not. I think it's the, um, the narrative flab. It's, it's the, uh, you know, at least, at least on broadcast TV, of course you have like, you know, the four or five act structure. Do you even Um, watch broadcast anymore? Oh, I cut the uh, cord by the way. Oh, did you? Good for you. Yeah, something that happened in the last two months we didn't talk about. It. Yeah, I cut the cord, so I'm not watching it. But I'm not watching any of that. Um, but um, but you know, instead of you, you kind of have those those rises and falls uh, in a single episode of TV <clears throat> that um, that works for that hour, and then and then it cuts, and then you wait, and then you watch the next episode. Of course, you know you binge it, but they're not really making the the shows sort of flow narratively intended for binging. I mean, they're, they're sort of their own encapsulated episodes. They're still doing that. Um, 
Yeah, I look forward. That's what I, that's what I'm trying to say. Getting away from the episode thing. Like, if I'm gonna watch a season, I'm gonna watch the whole season, and uh, just stop where I want to stop. I, I, it seems like they're chapters, obviously. Right. But right. why does it? Why do I have to go through the credits and everything? Um, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, and I, I, I get it. There's unions are involved and blah blah blah. You get into the business aspect of stuff. But as a fan of storytelling, like, can I watch the whole thing without? I, I would love to watch something where it's just nonstop and I'm just hitting pause and coming back to it over and over again. Like, like a good book, like Dune. Right, right. Um, well, you know, it's like, like you know, thinking of, uh, for instance, Stranger Things. Like, and I thought that the season one was a great, uh, a great se- uh, season of television. Um, I can imagine that being recut in a way to make that two hours. Yes. Make that into definitely. a two hour movie. He gets kidnapped. They find another world he's in. They go in like poltergeist and pull them out. Right, and that would be a great movie. And instead, it's it's a it's a sort of a well considered TV show. Um, and I don't know if if part of and this might be now uh, that's real, us by the way. And yeah. Hollywood is changing because money used to be film, not TV. Right now it's flipping. There's a lot of there's a lot of money going to TV. Three hundred million. Is it three hundred million or more for Lord of the Rings? Oh, I thought, yeah, I think 300 million is, is that's about yeah. right. It's a lot. So yeah. more money is going to that um, right. now. And then we grew up with TV and film. My kids are growing up with streaming. So everything's just available right away. Um, they only have the attention span for something like two hours or an hour. Right. Yeah. Um, but us, we're, we're doing the binging. And you're saying you're getting tired of binging. And I think you're getting tired of binging because make it stop i just want to complete i want a well-written story where somebody doesn't need this much paper to write it they just edit and edit get it nice and tight in essence yeah so because drop the film thing and drop the tv thing and just do storytelling well so, yeah i guess sort of like what what does what does the uh what does the story that needs telling what does it require and i think often it doesn't require much more than two hours it might maybe a little bit but, um, you know, don't go to Netflix and say, I, I want to make a, a, a four and a half hour movie unless you're Scorsese. Then they'll give you and say, oh, yeah, do the Irishman. Um, so so by necessity now, you know, they're they don't have to make 24 episodes, that, which is great because that that's 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 a lot. Um, and, and I've heard complaints now that that they're only ever having to make eight episodes, which for some people feels like too too few episodes. Um but um, for for me, the 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 issue is that uh, like with like the Mandalorian, for instance, um, to me, and I know I know some of the folks that listen are are, are big fans of the Mandalorian, and, and I I certainly like aspects of the Mandalorian, but um, it it it's 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 very much to its roots a, a TV show. Uh, with very repetitive storylines told over and over again, so people can can watch, you know, a similar story happening again and again, and and enjoy that in a kind of leisurely fun way. Um, but it's not a Star Wars film, and I feel like what the studios are seeing are the movie shift over to TV, and I think the artistry. Often, and, and this is the case, no matter if it's a movie or a TV show, the, 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 the artistry always follows the money. It's, it's not the money following the artistry. And if it is, it's very rare. But I feel like it's easier for the money 
the, or the artistry to follow the money in TV than it is in movies. Um, Mandalorian didn't need to be that long to tell the story. It's, it's still, it's talk about an artificially, um, but the expanded, story, yeah. expanded, uh, set of a story. It's just like, um, and that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Like, uh, stop holding out on me. I, there's so many other stories I can, I can watch. Um, why do I need to watch hour after hour after hour of this, this thing with, with a, just a few narrative little gems, but mostly just churn. And, you know, maybe it's just me getting older and getting, you know, bored with the same stuff that might've, might've, you know, interest me, uh, interested me in the, in, in the before times, but it, it, it's, it's all feels like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm being inundated with it. And, uh, and especially with this, this sort of general feeling like, oh, theaters are a dying thing. They're going away. It's all going to be, you know, people watching on their 32 inch, you know, HD TVs. Um, I, I guess watching it while you're doing something else. And it's just like, uh, where's, where's the, where's the art in that? Where's, where, how do you, how do you get to be a classic anything when it's just something you have on the background? And that was another thing I was going to say. It was like, what if, um, uh, what if the thing that helps make a story, a filmed story, a filmed entertainment classic is the rewatchability and how much easier is it to watch a two hour movie than it is to watch four seasons of a given show. Um, and over time, the respect and reverence for a given piece of filmed entertainment is the accumulated number of, of, screenings or viewings that that has undergone and so with a movie that's many more with a tv show you know unless you're it's a sopranos which i know has since the pandemic has been sort of getting a a, a rewatch by a lot of people um there people are not going to invest that amount of time a second time and certainly not a third time so is it is, is the culture is the filmed entertainments that are being produced are they going to become disposable and ephemeral more so than the movies that really, you know, at least for our generation, and I'm sure generations before us really kind of defined our love of culture. Um, are the shows going to do that? And, and I, I don't know. I, I, I think rewatchability might have something to do with that. Back to your question to me, yeah. which was, you seem to answer, take it and answer for yourself there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, the, I love the format of being able to delve into character mm -hmm. and tell a little bit more of the B and C plots and meet the other characters. Is it done as well as a two hour movie spending the time on the A character for most of the time? I'd say it's at about 30% are good, um, mm -hmm. are getting better at it. Um, uh, and it, it, it comes down to the writing what is the story what are the what's the bone that the two dogs are fighting over and is it interesting to you and what are you going to learn about yourself from this right. um i believe it's kind of like having a book of a novella a book of short stories and then a novel like dune like all these different things it's just more to choose from and you can grab more from it because there's more options and they're all at your fingertips. And yes, they're not in the theater. Mm -hmm. um, but technology, uh, we're not going to be, I think, yes, less people are going to be going to movies because they're going to get bigger screens and be at home and 
get more inside our heads and our devices. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be also surges of people going back out. Like the pandemic, when it clears up, people are going to go to the movies just to go to the movies because they they miss it. So there's yeah. going to be a surge. Um, and our device, like another oh another iOS update, is that you're going to be able to FaceTime somebody and share uh, a movie or something streaming and sync it and watch it at the same time. Yes, to us that's a little bit ridiculous. Well, I'll just go to the movie. But if you're in California and here and you want to watch Ted Lasso together, yeah, you can. That's it's going to be cool. weird. It's going to be yeah. weird because you're going to be like FaceTiming and not looking at each other but watching the screen and laughing. <laughs> right. Kind of being in the same room. Yeah. Um, that, but that, that's that going to happen. So things are going to change uh, for what the film, the storytelling experience is going to be. Um, and I think the more is, more is better. We need to have this period of too many writers too many stories too many characters and some will flesh out to be good and and rise to the top and then film you know netflix still believes in two-hour movies they're not just saying the episodics or that's true buying arrested development and showing it forever um well they have done that uh (laughs) (laughs) they have done it's 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 uh they're not the the studios aren't giving up on it um and it's just a more creative space. It's, to me, it's better than, I would say, like uh, what a lot of people thought YouTube would be the new place where young Spielbergs would come out and just make stuff and put it on YouTube. And that didn't really happen. We had people doing something different. Like we've had musicians come out of YouTube or uh, personalities come out of YouTube. And maybe some people got into the industry because of YouTube, but I'm not too aware of them. Yeah, me neither. I mean, even even um, YouTube making a show Cobra Kai, they didn't didn't do well. Sony took it to Netflix, and now they're making it. Right. So, um, you have to have faith in the worst people ever, which is producers <laughs> and studios, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. to you know, follow the money and mm. what they believe the the game is going to be. And right now, um. I, I hear you. There's a lot going on, but I personally love the format better yeah. because I feel like it, it can give the writers and the directors and the actors more time to spend time in those characters. Um, it probably almost the same amount of time, the six to eight months they would be doing the movie. And then we get to see more footage of it. Um, That's, that, yeah, that is, that is true. That is true. And, and, you know, you're right. It's, I mean, change is inevitable. You kind of don't want everything stuck in stasis because that, that, that's just never going to work out. So, Change is inevitable, and right now, in terms of stories that are being filmed, whatever the medium, whatever the format, it's it's kind of an embarrassment of riches. I mean, there's just so much. There's so many, you know, leaving aside how much content there is, how many jobs there are for filmmakers. It's um, it's kind of a, a golden age, really, um, for just how much content is being produced for how many content producers. It's 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 pretty great. Um, but um, and 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 also, like you say, yes, that the, there, no one is completely abandoning two-hour films or you know netflix and all the streamers are still um very much invested in in making those um you know probably a conversation for another time is like well what movies are they making um but but the fact is is that they are invested in that format which is good um so yeah i i don't mean to be all doom and gloom but i i do i I definitely have misgivings about uh kind of the direction of of where where uh, the industry is going uh, a little bit but um you know, there, there, there is definitely a, a lot of bright spots, um, you know, there on the horizon. But uh, in terms of 
which direction we're we're going and where those bright spots are. Are they are they on the road that we're on, or are they way off to the right, where the direction we're not going? I don't know, but um, but yeah, it, 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 I kind of hope it it gets back to some kind of even keel um, and a little a little more um, parity between between TV and and movies than there is now. And and obviously, I'm hoping for some kind of renaissance of theaters and people going to movies and all that. I I, I feel like the theater companies right now. Uh, are not the folks to bring about that renaissance if it were ever to come. But, uh, you know, I, st- I still hope it does. And you talk about a resurgence of theater going. I- I've been to the movies, uh, the actual theater, uh, three, four times, I think. Uh, and it's, it's great. It's, uh, get a, you know, get some popcorn and get a, get a drink and you're just, you're watching a movie with all these other people. We, what we've mostly been seeing kids movies, um, <laughs> And, and that's one thing I hadn't thought of, but, uh, but after watching the movie and, and listening to the kids laugh at the kid jokes, I mean, uh, call me a corny old bastard, but it just warms my heart. And I would hate to, to, you know, for that experience to go away. It's, it's, um, it's pretty awesome. So, um, uh, I was very happy to be in the theater and I was happy to, that there were, um, there were pretty well attended screenings. Um, and I hope that that continues on, um, yeah, that's uh, so. But uh, yeah, it's it's great to get back into the theaters. That's an, that's one more awesome thing about the pandemic. You know, finally ending is getting to go back to the movies. Well, before all that, you know, I was kind of getting down on theaters because the experience just wasn't up to snuff yeah. anymore, uh, especially local theaters. Um, right. So okay. I might go back to the theater, movie theaters, not the theater, not the theater, the theater, but movie theaters to mm-hmm. see Dune or maybe Matrix. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm. 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 I hate to say I'm a little more excited to see what M- Matrix is about. I know I'll be way more disappointed. I don't. I. I feel like. Uh, yeah. Since their 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 post Matrix work, for instance, right. Matrix two and three. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. But I'm hopeful because it's been a long time. Maybe whatever he's got going has been stewing for a long time, and it's going to be you know, sort of nuanced she. and interesting and good. She. Sorry. Yeah. She. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be good. They, whatever pronoun you give me, I will say it. It's that's, uh, I want to be, I want to be correct. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> but, uh, what you What's that? You mentioned, uh, aging. I don't think, I think, I think you're not, you're not afraid of change. It's, it's a change in the industry. Uh, it's going to be a benefit to just about everybody except people who are looking for, I only want good things to be on when I want to watch them. Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult to find. So, yeah. so those the searching for stuff to find or where are the classics now? Um, right. Like for instance, I think the Matrix is a classic now. Yeah. It's 22 years old, and even though we saw it, we're like, ah, none of these ideas are really new, but the visuals were really cool and kind of new and cool, and right. and and it they did a fantastic job. So it's a classic now. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh. What's a classic from the last, I mean, I guess it's a dumb question because the classics kind of don't really get that definition until they've been around for a while. But I mean, do you, uh, given what you've seen, um, of the last, you know, two, three years, is there a, a classic film thing that happened in the last three years or, or a good candidate for that? And I'm glad you didn't ask me this question cause I can't, I can't think of much. So, uh, I, uh, I go right to, 
classics. I think of uh, uh, Frozen, I think, is a classic, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because I don't think the storytelling is very good, but everything else <laughs> about it is, is good. Yeah. Um, that's that's an example. And then live action. Um, the classic. Um, huh. Trying to think there's been any characters or. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think too. I can't. I can't think of anything. I, I don't think that's like damning or anything. Like, oh, the industry they can't produce anything. But, <laughs> but nothing. Nothing. Um, maybe nothing. I've fallen in love with. Um, the, uh, the here, it, here's here's here. Here you go. This will this will this will help you okay. argue your point. Yeah. The The Walking Dead. Yeah. Okay, we get it. <laughs> yeah, we get it. But <laughs> it's well, yeah. Like the first season, like it's it's something about a virus, and then they're not interesting interested in finding out anything about the virus after the first season, right? Um, because they can't do anything about it, so they just live their lives and looks they live poorly. Why did they keep going? Why would you keep going? Right. Um. So yeah, it, it, there's an example of, and you could see in the numbers showed the drop off, but they were ready to ready to pump millions of dollars into it still, and then they, they they're totally losing money now, I guess. Probably, um, but there's an example of something that should have. Yeah, died. that 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 would I mean that's that could have been uh, Frank a Frank Darabont movie. You know, uh, imagine Walking Dead. Like, imagine The Walking Dead instead of a television series. We'll we'll just say like four films. Well, Frank well, Frank Darabont would say, "Here's a movie." Yeah. Or we have all these characters. Let's flesh them out and let's make more money for the crew. And everybody yeah. and, and and residuals by doing this. There's the business aspect of it. Sure. Um, you can sell one DVD for eighteen dollars, or you can sell the box set for forty. Right. And right, but that's you know, it, it, yeah. I just yeah, it's, maybe it's that that the um, that juxtaposition is is the sort of the thing that I just object to. It's. Uh, I mean, I guess if you love a thing, you're happy that it's got all that many more hours. Um, but on the other hand, I I, I kind of love the uh, the intensity and focus of of a thing that is managed to be so in, indelible and, uh, and 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 kind of haunting in just the space of an hour and a half, two hours, and maybe a little bit longer. I just think that there's there's there may be even more artistry in that to tell your story quickly. Um, I know we're getting back into relitigating that, but um, I'm really interested in your question about recent classic. And I just Googled recent classic movies and I'm looking at them. Yeah. Um, Like uh, all the Marvel movies, they're not recent classics. Uh, The closest would be black Panther because it, it meant so much at the time or something, but I, I, yeah. the storytelling is not classic. Right. I wouldn't say so. Um, uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. So ignore yeah. those. And then I'm right. looking at all the other names of these movies and I, I, none of them, none of them are calling to you. What's, what's the closest thing you think of that list that you're looking at? Um, uh, the, um, they're, they're mostly like Academy Award nominated stuff. Okay. Um, classic? Shoot. Uh, yeah. There's Get Out is here. And Get Out was new and fresh and like, should be seen by all young filmmakers. 
Yeah. But is it a film that's like, hey, it's like Mary Poppins or Godfather or something or right. my ultimate class Chinatown? Get out right. now. I, I don't I don't feel like it. Yeah, it's hard is. to sort of see that. Yeah. Um but yeah, you're right. That's a really good question. What's a recent classic? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm actually surprised that there there isn't more popping up, but um like when we were alive, recent the the recent classics were Star Wars, yeah, um, Godfather Two, yeah, uh, Alien, oh yeah, the black the black hole, Raiders and then and then, and then look get into ET. the eighties, get into the eighties. Yeah, I mean, for you know, Predator, uh, you know, just like the the kind of uh, what they used to call high octane, you know, action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Die Hard is a classic. Yeah, uh, it, it, Terminator, Terminator Two. I mean. Are any of the Rocks movies classics? I would say a resounding no. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think it. It's like I sort of liken the Rock to Burt Reynolds. You know, except Burt Reynolds has been in some. You know, he was in uh, Deliverance, which is you know a classic film. But I don't. You know, Burt Reynolds just kind of kept showing up and being himself in movie after movie after movie. And and um, I follow some of these blogs that kind of focus on those forgotten movies and you know every time i see a new burt reynolds movie pop up on there that i never heard of it's like well i've never heard of that um and i i i feel like the rock is making pablum it's just making you know forgettable things that people want to pass the time watching but you know i i don't i don't think he has any illusions that uh, you know he's making deathless cinema but uh, i guess what what is recent like the lord of the rings series yeah, that's uh, but that was 2000, right? So that so that's that's yeah, I'm looking the first one celebrating its um, oh, I'm looking at an article, an article that was written two years ago, and it's everything is 2000. Hmm. Truman Show, Matrix. I would say No uh, Country for Old Men, but that was Iron quite some Giant. time ago. That was quite some time ago. Fight Club's not a classic. That's like a cult. Hey, have you seen? Yeah. this? Yeah. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested. Maybe think more on that. I mean, uh, another classic, which might segue us nicely into the next thing, uh, was Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World. Uh, do you like that segue? Um, and uh, I guess news broke uh, very recently that uh, 20th Century is looking to develop a prequel uh, of Master and Commander, um, which is sort of funny. There's a little bit of backstory on this, and I I was. I was a very small part of this backstory. I guess it happened on Twitter and somebody had uh, posted something about how, you know, master commander was really boring and this, this guy couldn't stay awake for the first, you know, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And Russell Crowe, you know, said, uh, that's the problem with these, you know, people that got short attention spans and aren't able to appreciate the, uh, the artistry and, and the, uh, the emotion and all the good stuff that was part of this, this movie. I'm still very, very proud to be a part of or whatever. And then all these uh, master and commander uh, aficionados, of which I count myself, um, sort of brigaded uh, on this dude. And it was just like, no, it's really good. And and what are you talking about? It's a, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know what he's talking about. The first five minutes of that movie is uh, kind of like saving Private Ryan of the uh, Napoleonic Wars. Um, but uh, so what 20th, 20th Century Fox, apparently, or 20th Century, I should say. Mm-hmm. apparently uh saw this exchange and saw this groundswell of uh 
of admiration for um, a Peter Weir's movie. And um, rather than um, sort of like, oh, well, maybe we need to do a second one. They're like, oh, that's that's the problem. This guy, he fell asleep. Um, he doesn't think it's for the young people. Let's make one for the youngs. And so they're going to make a prequel with a very young Jack Aubrey and a very young uh, uh, doctor character uh, who play, who is uh, played by Paul Bettany in the movie. Um, Stephen Matterin is the character's name. So it, it, it sounds like they're going to have some kind of like Knight's Tale style um, uh, re <laughs> revisiting of Master and Commander. I'm like, you know what? Fine. If that's what I have to deal with to get some more, you know, uh, action adventure on the high seas with the uh, Aubrey and Matter and I'll take it. But um, so anyway, they're working on that now. Um, and, and I think 20th century recognized that they they had accidentally created a classic film and and they they, they probably were giving it a short shrift. So uh, some some uh, qualified but but largely good news, I think. Well, uh, well, do you have anything to, 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 to add to that? Uh, I think, did I see that movie with you in uh, NCSA? We were down in North Carolina, right? Um, I either saw it with you or uh, Kevin Hickman. Um, yeah, it was 2003. I don't no, know. 2003? No, that would yeah, be in L.A. Yeah, it would have been in L.A. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I kind of have a feeling like I saw it by myself. Yeah, it sounds like one of your movies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think even then I could have gotten you guys into the theater to see. It. It's like, yeah, it's got boats. Let's go see it. Well, no, I was. We were really into. Uh, what's his name? The actor. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah, Russell Crowe's doing. Yeah, he was doing big stuff back then. Yeah, he just he uh, a few years prior to that he had done Gladiator, of course, and uh, and he's amazing I, in this. I'd say this is definitely Gladiator level work from him. I, well, I don't care for Gladiator. Oh well, I, his 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 acting in that and his the the character in that um, was very good. It was it was that was like a movie star role, and he just hit it out of the park. And what I was speaking of Gladiator, one thing I had no idea was that I found out recently was that they were basically writing that script as they went when they shot that. Oh, really? Surprise! That's why it's like that. And, yeah, and then, I didn't like that movie at all. I was in the theater watching. I was like, this is boring. And I was really, like, you didn't like it? Oh man, I loved it. I didn't care for Gladiator at all. I enjoyed it. I mean, that's some some of those great performances. I mean, you know, in the end, it does feel a little um, a little on the thin side. Uh, but uh, but some of the moments and some of the, uh, I mean, there's just some iconic Ridley Scott, Russell Crowe, Walking Phoenix stuff in there. It's uh, it's definitely. Uh, I'm vexed. <laughs> I'm I'm greatly vexed. Uh, am I not merciful? Oh man. Who could forget that? It felt it felt like just a, like I don't know. It just felt like I this story's been done before, and yeah, I didn't. I was like expecting Ridley Scott to be amazing, and it was just it was not. Yeah, uh, the the visual. I don't know. I'm I'm being a bitch about it because I, <laughs> I, I you know Ridley Scott to me is is he, he he's an interesting filmmaker. Yes. Um. The, the 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 his ring anyway I don't want to get into Ridley Scott but uh, I didn't care for Gladiator when I first saw it. I remember seeing it at the Universal Studios theater movie theater and what just almost say? oh sorry and, go ahead yeah you saw it and almost the and not not having an anxiety attack but like when I first saw the Phantom Menace I felt like I was having an anxiety attack after the first reel really? I was like this isn't 
this isn't good. <laughs> and I just felt like I felt like that during Gladiator. I was like, this is this is really Scott. This is supposed to be good. Blade right. Runner, Alien. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just it just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Not to just pile on Gladiator because I, I I do I really like that movie. But the um, <laughs> watch Gladiator movies, Brian. <laughs> I do. Uh, you know, that first scene, which was obviously, and I think Ridley Scott said this was essentially a takeoff on the, you know, the private saving private Ryan opening battle scene. And so it's the a scene with uh, the Romans taking on uh, some, some German tribe or whatever. I, I think it was a big battle. So excuse my ignorance of history, but, um, and it, it was so obviously a ripoff um, that it didn't, it didn't feel uh, I almost didn't feel interesting in a way. It didn't feel like it was from Ridley Scott because you had the moments where, you know, something particularly grisly and intense was happening. You know, they just take out a bunch of frames. So they're, they're sort of like, you know, the, the fallen soldier is sort of staggering, you know, every sixth frame of movement or whatever, which is what they had done in saving private Ryan and just like, Oh, I, I see what they're doing here. And I, I feel like that scene hasn't quite aged as well. Um, you know, the stuff that's more Ridley Scott in that scene where it's like, you know, all these kind of very, um, elegant, uh, shots of the, the prelude to that battle, mm-hmm. I find to be much more compelling than the battle itself. And I, I kind of, now that it's all done, of course, and it's, you know, 20 years later, I would have much rather have seen Ridley Scott, try to do the next battle thing that, you know, beyond saving private Ryan, instead of sort of doing a takeoff on saving private Ryan, it it feels, uh, it feels kind of like short sighted on his part. And, and um, I think that part doesn't age as well as the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that movie doesn't age well at all. I'm going to be in the minority here. So many people just love so much about it. Um, Yeah. There's a lot to like there, but but then I'll, I'll I'll just say Prometheus and move on from there. <laughs> yeah, um, the the most most rewatchable and watchable bad movie uh, that, uh, that yeah. came out in the last twenty it's years. It's gonna be probably. good this time, right? <laughs> it has to be. Look at this. It and answers it just, everything about the universe in the movie, right? And then it just isn't. And then it just doesn't. Yeah. Well, shall we do a uh, a word of the week? Well, when the, we we already I think people are full with the maximum <laughs> of the week i don't know if they get a whole that's word true. i mean may, maybe that that can but we should do one we should do a word listen you smell that hmm? thank you peter for indulging me for yet another word of the week segment mm-hmm. um, for all of our new listeners this week uh the word of the week is a segment I do where I will say, I will find a fun vocabulary word. I will have my, uh, my colleague here, Monolith, uh, spell and define it. And if he gets it right, he gets my undying respect. If he gets it wrong, then I will spell and define it correctly. Uh, this week's word. <clears throat> I prefer monolith. <laughs> Mono, monolith. Mono. Um, this, are you ready for the, this week's word of the week? I sure am. It is. <clears throat> Persevant. Persevant? Persevant. P-E-R-S-E-R-V-E-N-T. Persevant. 
No R after the SE, sorry. Uh, no, it's not that, but uh, it's it's a it's a valent uh, attempt. What okay. what would you what would you say this word means? Means. Yes. Well, is it kind of like your pen show, like a purse event? <laughs> you to, as long as there purses there. Uh, you're you're the secret weapon to this the, to this uh, segment. Just so you know, the the, the guesses are amazing. Uh, yes, go ahead. Purses can come in triangles too. <laughs> that's, that's called a callback. Yes, I, I I got that. Yeah, very nicely done. Uh, persevent. I mean, the persevere to never quit, which is what I seem to do with all these word of the weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, persevent. Um, don't spend too much time on it. It's archaic. No, I'm not going to get it in any way whatsoever. <laughs> am I? Yeah, no. It's it's simple. <laughs> it's simple, but it's it's there's there's nothing to attach the word or any roots or anything to anything. Um, Persevent. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it has something to do with uh, uh, something to do with uh, a young child reaching puberty. Mm. Mm. Okay. You know, you're, 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 um, you may not be in the ballpark with that, but you're in the right sport. You know, <laughs> it's like you would eventually make it to the ballpark over the course of a season. Um, <laughs> okay. So the word is persevent. I will spell it for you. Um, it's P-U-R-S-U-I-V-A-N-T. Persevent. Pursuivant. Pursuivant, yes, is, is how it's spelled. Um, it has a British definition, which I guess is still active, which is uh, an officer of the College of Arms, but that is not the context in which I encountered this word just recently. Like the, Lieutenant Persevent? I guess. Um, the second def- definition is archaic, um, which I assume means it is not used anymore, but was a long time ago. Uh, and uh, that definition is a follower or attendant. And I encountered this in the aforementioned shadow and claw hey brian where did did you read this word (laughs) and i will read to you now the sentence in which i encountered it uh strap in it's a long one Uh, just as a courtier courtier forms himself into something brilliant and involved midway between a courtier a courtier it's like someone who comes to court to you know like a like an old medieval court and to to uh, petition the king or you know lobby the other people on the court you know that that's the, the, the that sort of person okay i think uh just as a courtier <laughs> forms himself into something brilliant and involved midway between a dancing master and a diplomatist with a touch of assassin if needed so master gerlos had shaped himself to be the dull creature a persevent or bailiff expected to see when he summoned the head of our guild and that is the only thing a real torturer cannot be. A persevent there is the military definition. That would be the dull creature, a persevent or bailiff. Persevent or bailiff. Kind of like the master at arms or the bailiff. Yeah, yeah but I think in this instance, uh, in the Citadel, 
the dull creature a perseverant, uh, a follower or attendant, which of which uh, there were many in the citadel, or a bailiff, and I think in this case it was like you know essentially a, a, a guard, you know. So I think he, when they say perseverant and, and bailiff, putting them in the, in the same thing, it's like who would who would be most likely to observe him in the citadel, and that so I, I think it is still the a, a follower or attendant may work as well. But I feel like the officer of the College of Arms being specific to British or to Britain uh, would remove this from the fantasy realm. So, so when you when you go into like a go into some place, are, are you can ask like uh, a police officer, are you the person? <laughs> or should I talk to somebody else here? Yeah. I'll be like, get out of here. Move along. Move along. Don't make me tase you. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of background on this, it's the it's late Middle English. Uh, from the old French Persevant. That's perfectly reasonable to, to uh, sing me off. I get that. Anyway, that was that was the word of the week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Now, I know uh, this is not already a short uh, episode. Um, shall we save some of our uh, movie-watching reminiscences for the next episode or what what's what time frame are we looking at here uh we're like an hour and an hour and 40 minutes in i think oh, okay yeah. well i don't know what do you think we should keep keep going more or is this well else? I, I don't want to i don't think we should jump into the like specific like things we're watching people don't really care everybody's watching the same shit or they're not right yeah. i think the thing we we're going to jump into that we kind of passed was the thing you're reading and something you and I had uh, talked about on the phone once and said, hey, we should save this for the podcast is oh, yeah. deterrence. Um, uh, yeah. Not the movie. No, not the movie. But the whole idea of is of civilization agreed upon uh, rules and regulations. Do not steal from this person. Do not kill this person or you will be put in jail or killed yourself or something right. stolen from you. Right. Deterrence in, 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 in civilization um the human civilization like what is the does it work and yeah what uh, are the new forms of deterrence being such as we have poverty therefore we should just give people money therefore poverty is taken out of the equation are those people still going to in terms of historically be thieves or uneducated or you know right or uh what would what, what, What's what's a what's a great word to describe? Uh, Ne'er do wells, thugs. Yeah, thugs. The, ter- the terrible word they use for it. Right. Like, what is the point of all this? Does it work and doesn't work? And with our recent history of um, criminals mm-hmm. running war criminals from Bush, business criminals from Trump, mm-hmm. um, it, they're not getting in trouble. What is mm-hmm. the point of deterrence of anything? Right, right, and that's 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 the nugget of the of the conversation we had. It was you know, uh, I guess just to briefly catch everybody up, I had mentioned something to Peter about um, how uh, by Trump continuing to sort of elude any accountability or consequences for all of the crime doing he's been up to for you know most of his life, I guess, um, and it's particularly in the White House, and uh, and and also coupled with George W. Bush's um, ability to sort of dance away from any accountability after starting um, an American torture regime and, um, 
and you, one would say uh, an, an illegal war based on lies. Um, and both of them sort of dodging accountability that that uh, what you would essentially be doing is giving future presidents um, the the feeling that they could also act with impunity um, and that there was and that by pursuing justice with these presidents, you're creating a um, a deterrent for future presidents not to commit crimes and do bad things. And and Peter's point was that. Uh, Oh, I'll let you state your point. Uh, what was your response to that? Wow, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, the, when you create laws, it's it's really great. Like, hey, something bad happened. We don't mm-hmm. want to repeat it. We learn from history. Um, somebody was hurt. We don't want them to be hurt. So we create a rule, and other people have to abide by it. Mm-hmm. If you do not, this is your punishment. Your the actions that will be taken. Uh, once it once uh, something you take that action like uh, consequences if this then that the consequence which is with sequence so if you do this this is the next step right um, I always go down those Latin rabbit holes <laughs> um, and w- it doesn't seem to be working um, as much anymore in the political realm at all mm-hmm. and the socioeconomic realm everybody's saying somebody uh, i forget where some lawmaker just said uh every crime should be excused as long as it's poverty is a reason somebody said like no they shouldn't be able to be punished because it was because of their poverty right. so if you take if you give people who are impoverished money and not just not education but money does that take that out are they still gonna you know do crimes because they feel impoverished. Um, uh, It's been, what, a week and a half since we had that conversation, so I'm not exactly sure. But it was basically like, it comes down to deterrence doesn't work. People still cause crimes. Um, uh, What do we do to stop? It's it's just part of humanity. Um, Right, yeah, like what what is a deterrent? I mean, you know, particularly people who um, uh, are sort of against the death penalty, they've been talking about how the death penalty is not a deterrent, you know, for decades. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, if, if um, the death penalty isn't a deterrent in this instance, then, then what is an effective deterrent? And, and, you know, like, like you were saying about uh, some politician, I think it was Cynthia Nixon was talking about how shoplifters should, should not be, you know, prosecuted. Or if anyone was sort of put into jail because of shoplifting, then, then uh, they, they should not be in jail. And I think I'm probably being, reductionist i'm sure there was probably some nuance to that but um uh, no no matter what nuance you say it's her message is lost because it's going to sound the way we're saying it which is that's ridiculous you can't take away laws just because right. they're impoverished right right that's so the way so, yeah. hear it. so it's like so what so what is an effective deterrent and my, my thought at the time was uh, at least in the political realm that if if you do sort of bring down the heavy hand of justice on these sort of um, uh, high level criminals, you know, people operating at the highest forms of government where even prosecuting them is, is a, a tricky thing. Whereas it's not a tricky thing for literally anybody else, but it is for them because of their placement in the government. Um, if you could uh, prosecute them and make them um, regretful and, uh, essentially use them as examples, make an example of them, I guess is the term, uh, 
then you would have other people come in to office and be like, well, I, I don't want to, to have that happen. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. But even if, if you didn't have that, if you had a guy like, well, they were dumb, I'm going to be smart, I'm going to do the same thing, you would still have all the people around that president who would be very well aware of what had happened to previous presidents and the people around them who had aided and abetted the crime doing. And they might not be so um, laid back about taking up an illegal uh, request or um, you know, covering something up because they, they, they would know, well, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're president or not. If you do something that is by statute illegal, you will, you will get punished for it. You will be accountable for that. They won't do it. And right now they will, because they know that there's really nothing other than the, you know, the fees from hiring a lawyer when the inevitable uh, investigation start up, uh, there's there's really no consequence to that. Um, and I think that if they did do something, that, that those people um, in a position to uh, help or hinder a president would, would be more inclined to do the right thing. Um, but that, that, how do we know? Um, I mean, when was the last time a president was sort of held accountable? I guess that was Nixon. And I would say based on... No, uh, Clinton. Well, Clinton to some extent, but, um, you know, he was not removed from office. He was acquitted. And um, I guess the people who suffered the most under him were like Monica Lewinsky and... Um, Oh, that lady, that lady from Arkansas. Well, yeah, she suffered in a lot of ways, of course. Um, but but with Nixon and and his cadre of of uh, his inner circle, I mean, they they um, they didn't do well. They you know they, a lot of them served like actual prison times and actual prisons. Um, so I I wonder if that had a chilling effect, so that the next few administrations were more constrained in their lawlessness. But then, of course, I'm thinking of Reagan and the Iran-Contra, and and then I'm like, well, no, they weren't at all. So maybe that that actually <laughs> that lends credence to your uh, deterrent idea when it, they're they're you can't to someone who is in the ultimate seat of power, the most powerful person in the world, um, they if you've got the wrong guy in there, they're not going to be deterred from doing the thing they want to do. So what's the I mean. The, yeah. So what's the point of all what, that? What what's no, no that's what the point of it. But what's the point of deterrent? Like, what's the ultimate deterrent? You want to say, oh, death. And I was like, I don't think that's the ultimate deterrent. Like, no. If you that. had a a mother who was stealing for food and she's caught stealing and she's gonna go to jail for that. Yeah. You could say, well, no, you're gonna stay out. You're gonna let you. We're gonna let you live your life, but we're gonna take your child. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. that that like like. But then, yeah, but so it's like how in a, in a constitutional democracy uh, uh, or a republic like ours, where you have rules against cruel and unusual punishment, um, you know, what can be the deterrent? And I guess it's, what, 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 what would it be? I guess it, it, it's a good economy and a, a good working society and, and um, positive alternatives. So, I mean, obviously you'll have criminals who are just going to, you know, be criminals no matter what, but. I think a lot of crime is is driven by poverty and a feeling that there is no alternate path for me. 
other than this. And I think that, you know, the society and the economy, or I guess more the society does, uh, you know, does those people a disservice when they don't address the underlying issues that sort of drive those things to the extent that they can. A lot of it is sort of economically driven that, that, that can't always be, um, sort of, um, amended or driven in a new direction by government, well, you know? But what's the, the, so I, I don't know too much about the people who are against private prisons, but if you were to, if the governments are paying private prisons to take care of prisoners, mm-hmm. what would the cost be to pay those prisoners money mm-hmm. in like two, $3,000, I don't know, a month or something? Yeah. Is that going to solve the problem before they get to the point where they have to do a crime versus the what is it? I don't know how much it costs. It, it, like from my father, if my father is 85 and if I put him in a home or a place with other, uh, not a home so much, but where there's caregiving for him, which is not going to be as good as the care he's getting now. It's yeah. like in this area, it's $15,000 a month. Holy wow. Right. So that's 3000 a week. Yeah. So if you took $3,000 and gave it to, um, that's just for that. So I'm assuming a prison is more because you have to pay all those people to watch them more in the right, facility right. And, and those bills right. higher up and, and you have to pay them more. Yeah. Um, what if you just put half that money into the people's hands for not even working or not doing anything? Are they going right. to sit on their ass or are they going to still get a job? What's the point of having to get a job? And right. we're seeing a little bit of now after COVID, like people like, I don't want to work that job. I'm making $300 a week right. off of this, not, which is going to go good. away. Right. You know, And like, so it's a, it's a little grand experiment. If, right. if, it seems like the reason why a lot of crime happens is because of uh, not having the means. And mm-hmm. what the first mean in humanity should be education mm-hmm. or empathy or in a combination of empathy and education. The second is money, is monetary. So if you give them the monetary, why are they going to take the time to become empathetic and educated? And if they do that, right. you should have people who grow up and have the means that can make their own means and help support the next generation of people who need help. Um, or they can become super villains. They like it. But I'm, I'm just very curious. When are we going to do the social experiment of, you know, actually give, you know, money to people. Um, and and will it work? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's work because you call it welfare. Mm-hmm. But how many is it? Is it part of the human thing of nine out of ten people aren't going to do much? The the ten percent or the three to five percent of them are going to rise to the top and move move up in the world or right. educate themselves or better themselves, right? Um, and those are the numbers that I pull out because that's what I see in my life of percent of like usually about ten percent of everything is is good and the other ninety percent is meh. Yeah, and I, I and I that's with art, movies, music, and then I associate that with humans too <laughs> i don't know if right. i'm a little bit i am very prejudiced but i do not act on my prejudices and usually when i don't i sit around and i'm around something that's a prejudice of mine yeah. i either prove myself 100 right or i'm like <laughs> completely surprised by not 50 percent of the time right and i think that's completely healthy because my prejudice is is that line going to attack me or should i pet it because it's really cute and beautiful the, that's the first prejudice am i going to die from doing this or am i going to get a good loving empathetic experience from it right um that's true i mean we're, we're, we're sort of 
you know, subject to our prejudices, there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, all we can do is sort of examine them and, but we, we all have them and they're all, you know, I don't know. It's prejudging because of something that happened previously. Right, right. And, you, and it's you, not you, something that may have happened to you. Like I've never been, uh, I've never been uh, attacked by a certain, I've never been attacked by Asians or blacks or, or somebody else in the right. Latins. But the prejudice you see in, in news, TV and movies yeah, those are on me. Like when I would get off the metro and walk down a street and it'd be two tall black guys. When I was younger, I'd get a little like, okay, uh, you get a little cockled. You know, yeah. your hair goes up. Like, from, yeah. You know, just because of what or whatnot. But I never really had any previous experience that related to that. Right. It was just, you know, you know, don't touch that fence, you'll get shocked. You know, yeah. be aware of these people coming towards you because they're a different color skin. Like, right. These things. Um, so they're not based on anything, but they're there to protect you. Um, right. But when they, when you act on your prejudices, almost. Right. right. Uh, or when, when you take, when you take your prejudices as, as fact or, um, you know, they're, they're, you're never, ever questioning them. Then the, I think that's where people, uh, get into trouble and they, they, they sort of, uh, turn to the dark side, at least in that, in that area of their lives and their, um. Uh, yeah, but this what the, the, we came to this from ninety percent uh, of things are meh and ten percent are, are good. I'm trying to trace it back to where we were <laughs> before. Well, the, the the deterrence. Do we? Oh, deterrence. Yes. Where's okay. the grand experiment of giving people money and seeing right. if that works? And if it does, isn't that the next? I don't want to call it a golden age. It's the next solution for poverty and crime um versus all the other stupid programs that they uh, that not stupid but other programs that are not working because it's not changing um uh, luckily i am a huge pinkerton uh fan and and uh, better angels of our nature uh listener i don't read it i listen to it and basically the world would make you think it's worse now than ever right but it's not the world is better and safer now than ever right it's ever been um uh, b- b- I think Bill Maher touched on this just recently. I don't watch his show anymore yeah, that much, same. but I happen to catch it. That the, the everybody's trying to say how bad things are and how, how terrible things are. I was like, they're not. People are becoming more aware of issues that are going on. They're th- like three, four years ago, they're arresting people for marijuana. Right. Just then, and now they're not. There's yeah. some may still be in jail. We need to get them out. You know, and it's going to take time for everything to change. But that's changed, dude. That used to be a big thing. That's drugs. And eventually, you know, hard drugs are going to start to come in and therapy is going to come in and it's going to take time, but it's going to happen. Yeah, that's for the better understanding what it is. Now, that goes back to a deterrence thing. Why are they taking drugs? Is it just emotional or is it socioeconomic because they have pain or or, or something? Getting ahead of why. But the big experiment needs to happen and um, it's going to be really hard to drag the. 50 percent with us yeah or the 47 percent yeah percent yeah, to get you know to do welfare because they labeled that they're going to label it like crazy and put a picture to that face create prejudice. Oh, yeah. that's the thing they, they they that's one thing they despise above all others is is people getting something for nothing i mean that's i mean if you talk to any conservative i feel like that is the animating thing i mean that that undergirds their feelings on immigration on you know race relations everything that they're just worried someone is going to get a handout as they call it uh and they're going to get something that they don't deserve and 
Um, yeah, I don't know how to get around that where you just have to get people thinking differently. Um, where I, th- I think you get around it by spreading the wealth. Like, yeah, you have taxing. a job, you have a job, a minimum income. That, that's what they're trying to say. Like, yeah, if yeah. you have a job, you don't need this money. Here's $200 a week. This person over here needs $2,000 a week. Mm-hmm. And with that $2,000, like that's where the welfare program came in. They have to prove that they're going to these things that are trying to better their life or not having kids or going to trying to get a job. Right. Like I'm not the mind to figure this all out. I know you think I am because of your <laughs> right. of me. I do. I do. Uh, but I, it, it, we're on to another subject. The first subject is deterrence. Like the biggest deterrent for me was um, – you know, getting my, making my parents angry at me and I didn't want that. So I would deter from that in every which way I could. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first deterrent and pain. I didn't break any bones. I didn't do anything stupid when I was young. I didn't really have any, the big ouchies when I was yeah. growing up, yeah, same. um, like hurt ankles and maybe some splinters and stuff like that. Um, and I cut my eye in first grade and cut my you know, got that eye scar that everybody, chin or eye scar is what everybody gets. And I got the eye scar. Um, and, and the deterrence, I, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And it's, I think it comes from, um, it's gotta be, it's not, it's not just society. I think it's more like, it's very animal. I wonder where, where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's, that's, it's a, it's, a, it's a sticky wicket, uh, as they say, in a country not ours. Um, but, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's trite to say, oh, there was no easy answer. You know, I, I feel like that there are things that, that power, which I think is income inequality, and, and I think that goes to what you're saying about, you know, the basic income. And I think that that would really change some things. But on the other hand, in the micro, which is just like the last few months since the um, the stimulus checks have gone out, um, you know, you haven't seen a drop in crime. If anything else, you've seen like a rise in crime. So uh, not necessarily to equate the two because I don't think they're totally related. But, uh, you know, you, you would think that if people are doing well and they're well off because they got their stimulus checks, then they're not they're going to be less invested in doing in crimes. But it hasn't seemed that way. And I, again, I don't know if there's right. a. Do we need a, do we need facts? Right, yeah, we just need, uh, need we don't we that. don't know that because you can't. This is I don't want to call it the fake media, fake news, but we don't know that. We just see what's in the news, and when you read a book or excuse me, listen to a book like Pinkerton's, um, where he, he they study the facts of the numbers of people who are dying and what they're dying of and what humans are how humans are being cruel and how the brain works and how it's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much has actually changed in the last 20 years. Um, oh, yeah. Very true. Like with society, gay marriage, drugs, um, and uh, actually, what else? Uh, so much has changed that you'd be surprised. Um, like the, the, the thing we might have a problem with uh, that makes us feel old is the pronouns. Like I'm like, seriously, I'm just, but let me say, hey, you. Right. You know, I, I understand and I respect the idea of somebody who wants to, who is born um, one sex and needs to change to another through science and medicine. Right. Or live their life just dressing or acting another sex. Yeah. And I respect that. But at the same time, it's not like I shouldn't 
get fired from a job or get in trouble or this or that. Um, there's a there's a school teacher who's getting in trouble for that right now and fighting for his job. Um, I, I I I just just call them their name. Don't say hey he she. Or, right. I, 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 I you can you can work around it instead. People are fighting. I shouldn't have to say that. You're a he. Right. You know, like them telling you what you think they are. It's like, eh. I don't yeah. know how to feel about it. I just feel old man about it. I'm like, oh, this pronoun thing. I know what you mean. And, and I, w- I was having a, a conversation earlier today with my uh, my sister, actually, about, you know, cancel culture. And it's like, uh, on one hand, um, you know, I think the Republicans, you know, you don't want to sound like a Republican when you're talking about, the uh, you know, uh, so-called cancel culture. I think even that is sort of their term. But on the other hand, it... it I think it's probably undeniable to say that um, the culture on the left, when it comes to calling out offenses, whether they be microaggressions or, you know, actual, you know, malicious statements or whatever, has gotten to a fever pitch. And it's like it's kind of frothy right now and um, off putting. And I think um, I think wrong. And and I, th- I think that's a big topic. But I think we ought to. We should probably delve into it because I got a lot of sweet examples that we can talk about uh, in our next episode. But um, yeah, I feel pretty old man about that. I, I I sort of envy people who can sort of hear literally any new story about somebody saying a thing, which to my ears seems you know innocent, maybe ill-advised, but you know not not malicious, and just have their whole lives torn down around them and and be like, yeah, get him. He should have known. Uh, you know, the people that can sort of get behind that, uh, like, wow, I, I, they, they must be very with it and very contemporary, um, and, and be very, um, uh, receptive to change. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, and I, I find that disquieting. Um, but, but I, I do want to get more into that. Uh, <laughs> is this the episode where we turn into old men? <laughs> well, no, we did that. I think I was, uh, episode one. That's when that happened. <laughs> Oh, people want to talk and hear us talk about Game of Thrones, Brian. Yeah, exactly. And we did. We we did manage to talk about a little bit on this one. Uh, mm. But uh, but yeah, so that's a big subject, both of them, and uh, we we we'll, we have fodder for um, for many episodes. Uh, on it just it does bring me back to um, my favorite thing right now, which is Jeselnik. How it yeah taking away the they call it the sacred cow, like. Yeah. You know, you know, something that you oh, don't don't joke about that. Dead babies. Don't joke about dead babies. Right. And just joking about it makes you more aware of the situations, make you uh, the irony of the situations tells you both sides of the victim and the accuser and the bystander and all in jokes. Right. And and laugh at it. And it can make you more sensitive to it or make you more eased at it and makes you more aware of something. And that's what I get from his humor besides mostly just the laugh and just like, okay, I'm not going to laugh about some terrible things right now, right? but it's not out of malice. It's out of the cerebral connections yeah. of how funny, like how weird, how stupid things are. Like it's just stupid. Everything's right. just kind of stupid. It's all well, yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, things, things like that subject, you know, that Cheselnik jokes about, um, uh, on one hand it's, it's like, you're sort of reinforcing the taboo by breaking the taboo. If that makes any sense. And you're you're sort of uh, underlining the the fact that humans have these things, rightfully I think, in a lot of cases that that we are very uncomfortable with, and you know, 
the death of a of a baby or whatever is one of those. But you, you approach it in a certain way, and you sort of do the shocking thing of like not treating it seriously. Then it that 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 sudden twist and approach is the thing that sort of generates a lot of uh, or can generate a lot of humor if you've got someone as skilled as Anthony Jeselnik. But you know, I think I think the 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 folks that want to police um you know thought and police what people say to you know a, to a great degree i think would would probably cancel out most of jeselnik's routine um mostly because of the chances that somebody who um might be affected personally by some scenario that he's joking about would hear it and be offended or and be and be hurt and and so you get into this thing where i think progressives are are more interested in in stopping harm than i think conservatives and i think you have that impulse taken to its sort of logical um and uh, uh kind of logical extreme and um and i think that's a that's a weird place for us to be so i i know we go pretty hard on the republicans for um for as far right as a lot of their base has gotten but um i feel like there is some radicalization happening on the left not not in the dangerous sense i think which is what well, i think you do have on the right you have the like left, actual the left terrorists on the right calls but, it obama calls it the woke culture like it's yeah like his he he's like there's the age our age and older and a little bit younger are cancel and woke culture yeah. where the kids who are growing up with it are like they understand and get it they are not gonna they're not as militant they 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 understand the difference between um a joke or somebody actually doing something that's mean and cruel right uh, and right. They, they can handle it better because they're growing up with these things on television and their stories with their friends in school. Yeah. So, um, that's the that's the human advantage that the next generation will adapt because we've we've gone we've come so far, you know. Oh yeah, we have. And but you know, it's this generation I think that's going, for instance, hard at Lin Manuel Miranda for his new uh, Puerto Rican focus movie in the Heights because um, of colorism. There were I, I, I don't again again here I I hear you but yeah. that's in the media. Well, I I've heard it, anybody it is, say anything about this uh, stupid movie. I am on Twitter and I am seeing it. Like amongst the people that I follow in certain communities, they are they are activated about it. Lin Manuel Miranda has already had to issue an apology for his movie about Puerto Ricans to say I have to find a way to balance my extreme pride in this movie and also my deep sorrow and, 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 uh, and contrition about not including more uh, people with darker skin in the movie. And it's like, that's where they're at because if he doesn't do that, then he gets canceled. No one wants to see his stuff anymore. Well, and it's I don't just want like, to see his stuff either. I, just want to I didn't like either. I, don't, I didn't want to see it either, but it's just like, you know, I mean, talk about a guy trying to, you know, uh, bring more representation into the world. And oh, he didn't do it in the perfect way. Let's let's like really go after him. I mean, that's that's crazy. And that's just one it's, of these it's, examples. It's going to get to the point where Will and Grace, the show that opened up yeah. hetero, uh, hetero <laughs> homosexuality to a much more jokeable, common thing. Yeah. Through sitcom. Yeah. The woke culture 
is going to be so like, look how bad they treat it. Look at the, the gays oh. they hide on here. We're stereotypical, terrible people. Like, like they're going to hate that show. Yeah. They're going to revisit and, that and it's, it's going yeah, it, to, they're, they're going to go after it hard. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, it's a weird place to be. I, I don't, I don't agree uh, with, um, like I'm calling it the media. Twitter is also the media. It's a bunch of bullshit and yeah. move on. Um, and, uh, you said it, you heard it, you know, nobody was hurt whether or the only people who were hurt were maybe some darker skinned actors who didn't get a gig. Right. Are they good at like, and then you get to the, the bullshit thing of like, was the people with Haley cast, he felt were right for the roles. And it's like, Nope, you can't have that. It's like, right. Right. Well, you know, so like, uh, yeah, I think that's, I've, I've got more on that vein, but you know, I don't, I don't want to, I'm sorry. Uh, I keep. I'm. I'm. I'm running us long here. I know you want to go to sleep because. No, I'm actually just worried because my my laptop battery is about to die. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to be perfectly honest, uh, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the main reason. I don't want to cut out right I think in the middle. It would be awesome if you could cut out. Like, <laughs> you lost Brian. Now let's talk some real stuff. Now that he's yeah. gone. Yeah. Let's get back to Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think I think we uh, almost covered all the bases again. Um, next week we're going to talk about sex. Yeah. Uh, so everybody get your get your sex hats on. Right. I I guess I guess those would be the hats everyone wore uh, on that that first march after Trump was inaugurated. I guess that's what it is. Oh, nice. <laughs> those will be what those are. Uh, okay. Moist mops. What are they yeah. Called? Yeah, that's what moist it was. Mops. Uh, any, anything else for, uh, for our <laughs> listeners tonight, Peter? I, I, I think, I think the, the best thing we can do is, uh, this episode is a deterrent from listening to our show ever. <laughs> yeah. Our, our listening, our deterrent from listening to any other future shows. That's, that's probably right, true. Right there. And, uh, maybe I'll, uh, you know, we always play, we don't really talk about it, but we always play outro music. And, uh, if anybody around has any questions about what it is or whatnot, uh, go ahead and, uh, message i we never say what it is due to possibly getting in trouble <laughs> with right right but, uh, this week i'll play something nice and chill so you can you know fall asleep after our dulcet tones absolutely but you know nobody ever gets there no one ever gets to the I, don't, end I, don't, music. I think that's why they never ask us they never <laughs> that's right that's like, oh there's there's end music what what <laughs> so the, again we went for short and we're at probably our longest in a year or two yeah yeah we are but I think it's a good one. I hope so, anyway. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, then, uh, Peter, uh, it's been good talking to you. Uh, until next time. Uh, I wish I could see the same, you prejudiced son of a bitch. Until <laughs> next time. Uh, bye. Bye.